Talk Live, talk radio that you control. In the studio tonight, it's going to be me, Mickey. Andy is about to join us. He is fixing a technical problem, so sorry about that. No, I said Ian. Oh, sorry, Bonnie. Sorry, your your host tonight is Bonnie. Um, so Free Talk Live is talk radio you can control. You can call in at 603-283-6160 to bring up anything that's on your mind. We're going to have a few topics of our own, but you can bring up anything you want. Starting with the White House cocaine party. Oh, I didn't hear about this. That sounds fun. They've been partying down at the uh, White House, apparently. Um, Some Secret Service guys found, and I put that in quotations because it's like, to me, it seems like it's a, a thing that they just wanted to happen or something. Like, they found cocaine in the White House. I mean, I would not. That wouldn't surprise me at all. No, it doesn't surprise me either. The I fact d- that it, you know, got out there, you know, that it's in the media, that does surprise me. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They could have just found it, figured it out in-house, and not reported on it at all. So it seems like some kind of, I don't know, maybe a distraction. That's usually the thing people like to say whenever there's like kind of a nothing burger in the news. Like, what is this distracting us from? I mean, I always think that whenever there's something that people are obsessing about in the media, just won't ever, it's on every single news outlet and you're seeing it all over Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all of the other mainstream social media sites, you have to think like, mm, is this somewhat like artificially fabricated or you know is it being blown up for no reason to distract something else and then sometimes you'll find yeah there is actually something else in the news that most media outlets are not talking about that is way more important that people should be talking about that definitely does happen the other thing is in a situation like more serious than maybe white house uh i mean cocaine being found in the white house a lot of times i think it's just like a basically a spell put on the population like the titanic situation where that uh not the titanic but a submarine went down to visit the titanic it seems to me like there's a lot of depressing stories that go all over the news like gabby petito the girl that got murdered yeah the youtube uh travel oh was she i I think that girl was um she did like van life with her boyfriend Mm. that was the girl that got killed by her boyfriend right yeah in like utah yeah yeah i think they had a youtube channel and they were doing like van life and recording it Mm. and then she wasn't like super super popular or anything but she did have a decent amount of followers yeah i guess that's a, a reason that maybe that specific person would blow up a little more i hadn't heard that i was just like why are they zooming in on this one murder of all the murders in uh, America every day. You but know? I think um, negative news grabs people's attention a little right. more, unfortunately, which is really sad. I, and sometimes when I'm looking for show prep, I'll go out of my way to find like some good news or, you know, something happy to talk about. Because yep. I think when people like when the, the masses 
are constantly focusing on all of this really negative news. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes we do need to talk about some of the negative stuff that's happening so people are aware. You know, it's it's important to be aware of what's going on, but it kind of brings the collective vibe down. And I know that sounds like really hippy dippy, but I I really think it's I think it's true. And I think the the mind is a really powerful tool and what we think we create. So when you have, you know, millions of people all thinking this really, you know, focusing on these really depressing, heavy topics, it does. It just can't be good for, you know, society. And if there's something else going on at the time, like an election or something like that, they could be actually using people's emotions to cause the outcome of something else. You know, I I really do believe that every time somebody says that, um, what are they distracting us from? I just think like, why is that the only option? Like, it's definitely a thing that happens. Like, um, there was a lot of big news that was pointless going on during the Ohio natural, I mean, uh, ecological or well, yeah, it's ecological disaster that happened. Yeah, the what was in it? February, the oil spill. Oh yeah, here I am. Sorry, Ian. I was wondering were... why I couldn't hear myself. I didn't know you talked before that. Sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah. The Ian train derailing. Us. You're talking about the train derailing. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't getting any uh, news. But I think it's rare that they have something they want to hide. Like the people just aren't going to revolt because oh they voted in this thing. That's just not going to happen. But people might actually perk up and be interested like oh like a huge corporation poisoned millions of people that's a big deal like you know what i talked to a lot of random people about that like people like my coworkers, non-libertarian type people a lot of people didn't really they either didn't hear about it wow. or wow. they just weren't interested by it like they just were like oh yeah whatever that sucks it's not my neighborhood but it it kind of was though because it went up in the air and mm-hmm. then we had toxic fumes yeah. in the air that was going all the way to New York and I'm sure you know around here too. So hmm. yeah, I mean it's it's amazing how people uh, if it doesn't affect them or they don't perceive it as affecting them, they just can't have any empathy yep. don't you know, care. towards what's happening with somebody else. This could have been you, you know, like this this train could have run off its tracks next to your house or nearby your house and then poisoned your water uh, systems, poisoned, uh, you know, whatever streams or rivers or around the river uh, running into the lake, right? I mean, this could have completely affected uh, anybody else's area in, in the country. But even if it didn't, it's just like, why do you not care that other people are being poisoned? I think that's weird. Yeah, that but is weird. I don't know. The people I brought it up to that hadn't heard anything about it, they were really creeped out, like, oh, my God, this is, seems really bad. But um, I guess, I don't know, I didn't talk to anybody just, like, in the real world, just people who are already a little bit awake about it. Um, but, yeah, so this situation with the cocaine found in the White House. And did they say where the cocaine was found? Was it like, Probably in the bathroom. In the bathroom. Right on, yeah, right on top of the toilet. You yeah. know, that's usually where it is. I didn't actually read this article all the way yet, except to see that I wanted to know who discovered it. And it was the Secret Service. Mm -hmm. Says the discovery of this. This is from CBS News. Substance found in White House confirmed to be cocaine. Doesn't it kind of seem like the Secret Service? Like that's not very secretive of them to go out to like to tell the media about it. Wouldn't that make them kind of be doing a bad job? You know what I mean? Because isn't their whole job to not like not only like physically protect the president from Mm -hmm. violence, 
or assassination. That's one of their jobs. The other job of the Secret Service is to actually investigate counterfeiting. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've so, never heard that. Mm-hmm. Yep. If uh, if somebody's counterfeiting, it's the Secret Service that are going to come that's, knocking on the door. That sounds Weird. random. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think it just goes way back, like okay, from the yeah. founding of the Secret Service, if I recall correctly. Hmm. Well, it says subsequent testing confirmed that a powdery substance discovered by the Secret Service at the White House on Sunday was cocaine, a law enforcement official said Wednesday, as questions linger about how the drug got into the building. <laughs> they make well, it sound like it's an animal that wandered in. I'm guessing uh, <laughs> it probably wasn't in somebody's body cavity, which would be normally how you might smuggle in uh, cocaine to, say, a prison. Uh, I don't know. I've never actually been inside the White House before. I don't know what level of security they actually have yeah. for so visitors. I actually have oh. been in the White House before. Oh. Uh, when? I went uh, when I was in eighth grade. We went on a school field trip to Washington D.C. Okay, and there's and that you can so tell like because the White House is you know rather large. And they have a roped off little area that you can do tours, but mm-hmm. you're not seeing the Oval Office. You're not seeing, hmm. you're not really seeing any of it. It's Isn't just that what everybody wants like, to see. Like well, the exactly. Oval Office. Uh, you have to be like some sort of insider. Like you mm-hmm. got to be really famous or Security pay a clearance. lot of money or something. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but it was almost were like a museum. People coming in. Like what was it? I, like you know, when, I can't remember, remember, but I'm sure they were. Mm-hmm. Or at but, least like a you know, it was a long detector. time ago. But well, I mean, a metal detector isn't going to detect cocaine. Oh, so, no. why would they care if you have cocaine in your pocket? They just don't want you to explode it, right? Yeah, I don't. That's why I say I don't think it's probably not that hard to get drugs into the White House. Would be my guess. But yeah, just again, put it in your pocket, I guess, without you know? actually having. Seen, well, a pocket could be a pat. You know, they could if they're going to pat I, you, you know, down. It, it might be a little it. bit more strict nowadays. But when I went, I don't think they searched us or anything like that. I would say there's a good chance that it was brought in by some staffer, Hunter right. Biden or Joe Biden himself. <laughs> Does he visit? Like I, I really I don't, don't know. know where he lives. I mean, or it's anything. his dad, so I mean, presumably he's going to come there from time to time. But there's certain types of people, right? Like we've seen this at the federal courthouse, where if you are at the front of the federal courthouse and you're just an average person, then you're getting the full pat down to go in. However, if you're one of their known employees, if you work in the building, you just nod as you walk in and then you just walk right in and you actually bypass the metal detector completely. You don't even have to walk through the metal detector. They just let you walk on the other side and you're in. So any one of those people could bring in all kinds of contraband into the building and there's absolutely zero checks on them. So I presume the White House is probably the same way for wherever it's like, you know, oh, Joe, he works here. Come right. on in. That you know, was, you that don't was my to... first guess, too, that it's somebody who goes there every day yeah. and could easily just sneak it in because as we saw at the federal courthouse in uh, Concord, New Hampshire, um, they were actually breaking the law that was yeah, uh, right. posted right there on the wall what that, said that, that said everybody needed to be. Oh, no, it said that federal um, officials need federal employees needed to show ID, show ID right? to come in. And they specifically were making everyone else show ID, but weren't not the federal all the people. feds were just walking right in like, hey, yeah. Joe, yeah. And, and, you know, walking in and they were making us show ID. And Joe pointed that out to them and they just like smile like they really yeah. don't care. What are you yeah. going to do? I mean, since it's posted, I would think that they really should, since that's like a posted rule. But right. they probably know. I mean, if they're going there almost every day, then it's just the it point does of it. feel like- red- redundant. But it also feels redundant to, or like, it seems a little ridiculous to have all of us show ID too. Exactly, that was the main point. Well, it's not like we were really like you need to get their IDs too, as much as just the fact that like. Joe realized that the law right there, uh, right posted there. on the wall, doesn't say that we needed to be. 
checked. And it I, says federal people only. And mm-hmm. I don't think in like a regular state courthouse, like a district court, I don't think they ask for ID. No, they don't. They definitely in don't. Keen, no, I mean, yeah. in New Hampshire. And they shouldn't be uh, requiring it at the federal courthouse. In fact, at the beginning of the Crypto 6 trial, or my, my trial specifically, uh, Joa and I believe you, Bonnie, were able to get into the courthouse yeah, without showing hearing. ID. Joa, me, and Chris Wade, we all got in without showing ID but before. But then they decided to crack on down. On the first day of your actual trial. Yeah, and then mandate that everybody has to show ID. What if you're homeless? Yeah. Right. What if you don't have an ID? Like, there's no obligation that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so it's not legal advice. But to my knowledge, there's not an obligation for you to have an ID in the United States. People get them because, well, they want to drive a car or they want to apply for some kind of government benefit or whatever. They're like, There's a reason people have ID for the most part. But if you're a homeless individual and you just doesn't, it doesn't matter to you where you live or, or what you're doing. You don't have a car. Yeah. You don't have a car. Then why do you need to have an ID? And why would you be pro? Why should you, as someone who's here in America, be prohibited from seeing a trial that is ostensibly a public trial? And it's supposed to be open to anybody. The other thing is, even if you're an illegal immigrant and you don't have any form of ID that they would accept, you are still part of the public when you get to the United States. The Constitution applies to people who are standing on American ground. They are supposedly will even let you travel on an airplane without ID. Now, hmm. we haven't experimented with this in years, but post 9-11, years later, I think it was probably 2009, 2010, our co-host Sam Dodson uh, at the time, he, he put this to the test. He went into the airports and he would refuse to show ID in order to board a flight and they put him through some questioning. They, you know, would take him aside and take him into an office or whatever and have him answer questions. But ultimately, they had to let him on uh, to it's those flights. Got to inconvenience you. Yeah, they just had to. You know, I don't. You could have missed a flight by doing the, uh, you know, the, the pulling him aside thing. But ultimately, they did have to let him. Now, I can't say for sure whether that's still going on today, but theoretically, it should be. They just put you through a bunch of extra hassle. Same thing was true when we did the uh, event at Porkfest 2015. We called it Run for the Border, where uh, we went to the Canadian border in a town uh, over at, uh, it's literally a town that's divided by the border. It's uh, called Derby Line, Vermont. Hmm. Really interesting place. There's a video on the Freaking Odyssey channel if you want to see what it was like. I made a short little kind of mini documentary about it. And uh, we were able to cross into Canada by showing just a uh, like a just a normal driver's license and well i wasn't able to cross into canada because of my criminal record of uh, disobeying the government they didn't want me there but everybody else was able to get in and then when they came back they uh, did not show id to return and again they just put you through a bunch of questions they they want to find out what your social security number is so they can look you up and you know ask you who your mom and dad are like they have questions to verify that you are indeed a quote unquote us person or us citizen but you didn't actually have to show id to come back into the united states but people hmm. would have to answer those questions though like you would need to provide your social security number yeah they have to feel certain that you are a quote unquote us citizen that this is your home country and if you can provide them with enough information to where they think, okay, well, you know, I guess we have to let you back. Because they can't deny somebody who's from here the ability yeah. to return, purportedly. At least this was in 2015. Again, I can't yeah. speak to what it is now or if there, things have gotten worse. But essentially, you do have to be, uh, you know, expect that it's going to take time. And in this case, it actually took uh, like a half an hour for these 
people to get through this particular procedure. They were lectured. There was like some Mr. Buzzcut type uh, who wanted to tell everybody about how it was that the United States is the freest country in the world and that oh they God. should be really? grateful that they should be grateful that they live here. So you had to, they had to listen to a lecture as well. What does what not showing ID have to do with being like unhappy with living here? It's just kind of stupid. Well, they're, they're used to people who are doing whatever they're told to do. Right. Yeah. And so he, he lectured him, but ultimately had to let him back. Well, I think I figured out probably what the whole reason for this news story is. You know how we were like, why would they even report that they found cocaine? Why, yeah, would, why they would they sweep it under the rug for the politicians? The next statement gives me a little idea. It says the discovery of the substance caused a brief shutdown in the White House after it was found by Secret Service officers, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But maybe they just wanted to shut down the White House real quick for to do some shady thing they wanted to do. Mm. Could be. Some baby sacrificing ritual or something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> if they can do it that quickly. I don't know. I, I, I don't think they, they need to, to shut down quickly. the White House for this. I mean, that again seems like a completely That's unnecessary thing. It says it was found in a common storage area on the ground floor of the West Wing, which houses the Oval Office and offices of some of the president's top aides hmm. and support staff. A common storage area. Okay, so that doesn't sound to me like an area to which the public can access. Probably that, not. That sounds no, like a staff area. No, definitely not, because it's very, like, if if my memory serves me correctly, there were, like, three or four rooms we walked through, mm-hmm. and it looked like a museum or something. Sure. Like, you know how you Boring. can go, yeah, yeah, well, and you know how you can go to visit those old mansions, and they're just, have all this old, like, vintage, well, not even vintage, but, like, yeah. before that, just... Really old furniture, and it's just Taped all off, clean. Yeah, and roped it's, off. Yeah, exactly. It kind of looked like that. There was just a bunch of furniture there, and it, everything was roped off, and you just walked through, and it was really, really boring. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's storage area sounds like this is where we have the extra tables, we have some extra chairs, you know, that kind of if stuff. If you walk into an elementary school, you're for whatever reason, like you have a hall pass to get in for picking up your kid, you're not just going to be able to go open the storage rooms. No, there's like, probably no cameras in there. It's probably a place where staff members know they can go and snort cocaine hmm. uh, without being molested, and they you know just they got high and they forgot actually... their stash. Probably you know? wouldn't actually get molested anyway. It's probably, uh, I just really don't believe this story as far as just being an organic thing that happened and we're like investigating it and we got to get to the bottom of this. I, I don't really. Uh, yeah, I just don't see why they would ever report on this. Yeah, that, that, that's the most confusing part like, about this. Why yeah. is there a press release here from the Secret Service? It says it was found in a zip close bag. I guess they don't want to use the word Ziploc. Ziploc. Because it's... Okay. Yeah, um, trademarked or trademarked, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was found in a zip clothes bag near an entrance where visitors taking tours are directed to leave their phones, the official said. But hmm. still, if you're with a tour, you're not going to be like, just going to slip into this closet real quick, do cocaine and jump back out. Like, I really no, doubt not, that's not happening. That's probably on someone's bucket list to do cocaine in the White House. A visitor would probably <laughs> right. go the to House. the bathroom to do cocaine. Right. Well, it says press house or White House press secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said President <laughs> Biden has been uh, briefed on the incident and noted the area where the cocaine was discovered is heavily traveled by visitors. Okay, okay. maybe outside of it, but I really freaking doubt that you guys have unlocked storage areas where you just keep all your extra. Yeah, was things. it in a storage area or wasn't it in a storage hmm. area? Yeah. Well, they're not taking the tours through there, so like, what's it's not very clear. This woman, the spokesperson uh, you're talking about, 
I saw a clip where she apparently was asked by the press if they are able to identify who uh, the cocaine belongs to, will they prosecute that person? Mm-hmm. And her answer was, I'm not going to get into speculation or something that, to what? that expect. So she wouldn't even commit to bringing charges against somebody who's violating you know, the Federal drug law. statutes or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you have marijuana... House. If you have marijuana on federal property, you will be arrested and prosecuted. Right. Cocaine, the average person is going to be arrested and prosecuted. The fact that she will not commit to prosecuting whoever this belongs to is an indication that they absolutely have no intention to prosecute because they know it's one of their own. And they know that whoever it is, if they do figure it out, that part's never going to get announced. It's going to get brushed under the rug, depending on who it is. Right. Unless it's politically helpful to them to you know if if the person who is caught is ultimately politically useful to prosecute then they might change their mind but yeah the fact that they're not committing to that uh it's it's pretty clear it's one of them yeah imagining that it is like joe biden himself it's his cocaine right well i feel like it, it wouldn't just be in a zip clothes bag i, I mean like his son his smokes own, like, crack i feel like he has his right? own like gold box for his cocaine in his Oval Office desk. But yeah, Biden probably doesn't have to sneak into the, right. uh, the yeah. storage room to do his cocaine. <laughs> Just does it in front of everyone. Yeah, well, He's probably doing it right off of the, what do they call it, the Oval Office desk, right? Yeah. The president's desk, because he's the president, and why would yeah. 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 yeah, it right tradition. They do it before they go yeah. to war. Oh, yeah, pro- probably other presidents before him have done, have done oh, absolutely. it. absolutely. Yeah. I'd be so shocked if... Um, Clinton was doing the things he was definitely doing in there mm-hmm. and wasn't doing cocaine. At the same time. Yeah, exactly. And, and during that time period. Well, um, yeah, it, imagining that it was Biden or any other like top official, how insulting is it to think that someone like that does cocaine at all, in the White House or not, and then they just don't care that there are people all over the country in jail for mm-hmm. as long as yeah. the rest of their lives. For just possessing, for it's, possessing it's a double it. standard, you know, and it, it doesn't end with drugs. I mean, it's pretty much with everything. And we see the same thing with police as well, where they're just the law enforcement is above the law. It's the same thing with politicians and other bureaucrats. They're above the law. Yep. They have qualified immunity if they do get caught doing something or if it's absolutely imperative that the public find out. But usually if they get caught with something, their other buddies are just going to sweep it under the rug. That's why this seems a little sketchy to me. I don't know if I completely believe this story about the White House cocaine party. What do you think? 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. 
www.ghostdash.org. radio that you control if you'd like to call in and bring up whatever is on your mind 603-283-6160 is the call in number to call and bring up whatever is on your mind that's 603-283-6160 in the studio with you tonight it's me bonnie nikki and it's ian and while we're talking about the white house because the last segment we were talking about the White House staff found a little baggie of cocaine in a closet and they had to shut the whole White House down briefly and I guess investigate. Um, they probably already know who it was. But yeah, that happened at the White House today. The Secret Service found... That was today? Yeah. Okay. It, Did they it, it yesterday. Yeah. So oh, that's new then. But yeah, I have another story about the White House while we're talking about those psychopaths. This is from Fox News. The White House reports a re- White House report signals openness to manipulating sunlight to prevent climate change. What? I don't like that. I'm, that sounds like a like a something a supervillain would do. It really does. And who's more of a supervillain than the U.S. government? Mm-hmm. Says solar radiation modification offers the possibility of cooling the planet significantly on a time scale of a few years, the report claims. And do, do you feel safe with the government controlling the climate of I mean, the planet in a few years? They're no. already doing it, though, and I know that's very much a conspiracy theory, you know, like chemtrails and all sorts of stuff like that, but it really does seem like some of the weather patterns are artificially manipulated, What's it called? ARP? A-A-R-P? Or is... Oh, wait. H-A-R-P. HARP. I can't remember what it stands for. H-A-A-R-P, I believe, is what it was. And they supposedly shut that program down. And what is that? It was a a government program that was working on changing weather. I just don't see why that's necessary. It it just seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, Let the Earth do its thing. You know, we need the rain. We need the sunlight. We need these natural cycles. And somebody pointed out something so... Uh, smart to me the other day um we were talking about it's like an archaeological idea called uniformitarianism and the thing is the mainstream scientists they will die on the hill they will not consider any evidence to the contrary of uniformitarianism which is everything happens really slowly over long periods of time there is no there we have no evidence of like a giant flood that's happened in our path or past or like you know this or that 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 is a huge uh mainstream media science archaeology thing but at the same time we have these mainstream uh you know earth scientists that believe that we're suddenly gonna have our climate change in like you know 20 years mm-hmm. but well, I guess they've all been proven wrong yeah and i i guess maybe their like theory on that is because of the human interference with the natural cycles of the earth right so you think about you know we had the ice age like the earth naturally goes through these cycles mm-hmm. and i think 
the change has been slow, you know, and we only have so much recorded history where the weather has been pretty much the same as far as we know, based on, you know, things that have been recorded. So I just don't like I think it is happening slow so for them to say like, oh, all of a sudden, like because they keep pushing the goalpost. It's like the people that believe in the second coming of Christ. Right. So, oh, it's supposed to happen in 2000. Didn't. Oh, it's supposed to happen in 2012. Didn't. So they just keep changing the year and keep pushing it back. That's kind of how the um, the the climate scientists are. They're like, oh, you know, uh, Manhattan's going to be underwater by two, uh, 2030. Yep. I really don't believe that that's going to happen. 2030 is a big one I keep seeing pop up along among those types. But yeah, well, I mean, all of the predictions the- have failed. I mean, there were in the 1970s, they were saying yep. there was going to be an ice age that was coming and then it became global warming and then it became global climate change. Hmm. And uh, I think it was Al Gore was saying that, you know, Earth is going to be destroyed and we're going to all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and but, now, like before now, essentially. Uncharacteristically cold winters are now also signs of it because... Of climate change, you mean? Yeah, of climate change. Because when it was just global warming, people would be like, what do you mean? It just snowed in Texas. Yeah, so they have to, you know, change their language yep. to match what's really happening. And it seems, I mean, it's so obvious that this is part of the agenda to control people because they're, whenever they're cracking down on farming or any sort of, you know, industry where people can thrive independently, they're always like, oh, well, climate change. So that's why, you know, that's why we have to have all of these really strict laws and regulations Hmm. because climate change and, you know, it's for your own good. Which is crazy because they like sprayed poison over at least the only place that I know for sure they did this is Massachusetts, probably lots of other states. Um, during COVID-19, just quote unquote, due to COVID, there were, uh, we met a, what's the word, organic farmer, um, who moved from Massachusetts to New Hampshire, I think in 2021, Ian and I were interviewing people about secession and he kind of just opened up to us about, he wasn't even like a free stater, but he just moved here for more freedom. Mm -hmm. And, um, he said that he, he finally made the move after years of like, not liking the, the direction Massachusetts had been going as far as freedom because he was an organic farmer. And in 2020, they just forced everybody who had farmlands to have their planes fly over and spray poison, like, you know, uh, pesticides. And it, it was just quote unquote due to COVID-19. That doesn't even make any sense. But yeah. So I found a list here from AEI. I think that's the American... Economic Environmental? Institute? No, I don't know what the E stands for, but they're I think they're pretty freedom-friendly on a lot of stuff. And they've got some predictions that were made in around 1970 when Earth Day was founded. So Earth Day has now been around for more than 50 years. Yeah, it was April 21st back then. Was it? Okay. Um, I, I presume it's still around that, that same time. Uh, but in May of 2000, Reason Magazine award-winning science correspondent Ronald Bailey wrote an excellent article entitled Earth Day Then and Now. The planet's future has never looked better. Here's why. To provide some historical perspective on the th- what was then the 30th anniversary of Earth Day. In the article, he noted that around the time of the first Earth Day in 1970 and in the years following, there was a, quote, torrent of apocalyptic predictions. And many of those predictions were featured in his Reason article well, now that it is past 50 years of Earth Day, they're looking back at that question asked 21 years ago is how accurate were the predictions made around the time of the first Earth Day in 1970? The answer, the prophets of doom were not simply wrong, but spectacularly wrong. And this was in 2020 or 2000? Well, the, there was an article written in Reason Magazine in 2000. This article is looking at that 
today in hmm. 20 well 2022 was when this one came out so looking back at 50 years uh you know they had 50 years to make predictions of you know what's what's going to go wrong and just we're just looking at the predictions from the early 70s there have since been other predictions that have not panned out but obviously you want to give as much time as possible for these predictions uh harvard biologist george wald estimated that quote civilization will end within 15 or 30 years so well, by the, roughly the year 2000 unless immediate action is taken against problems facing mankind well you know they started taxing us so that that's why it was fixed but i'm gonna stop you right there ian because we have somebody on the line caller you're on free talk live how are you guys doing today? Hey, what's on your mind? Good. How are you? Amazing. I'm, I'm glad you guys are talking about this stuff. It, it's, um, you know, you guys sound like you're, where are you guys from? Where, where are you recording at? We're in New Hampshire. Where are you calling from? And what's your name, caller? I'm calling from uh, Sandy, Utah. Oh, All right. I've been there. So, um, yeah, you're in New Hampshire. That's interesting. That's good. You're, how old are you guys? Well, I'm 27. I'm 25. I'm in my 40s. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm I'm older than all of you put together. Okay, what were you calling about tonight? Well, it sounds good that you know you guys are getting on top of all these issues. This you know uh, the the you know first of all the White House. I mean that that's been going on forever. You know with the cocaine and I mean that's oh, I bet. don't be surprised. These Psychopaths. People, Liking cocaine yeah. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, no one here is surprised by this. I think the only surprise is that they would announce it, that right. they would mention it at all, that cocaine was found because there's a diversion from all the other stuff going on right now so now the the heat now there's new news media goes in and focuses on that and all the sheep out there they go right for that news flash what would you say they're like, trying to divert people from what's the story out there that you think people need to pay well, attention to right now hunter biden hunter biden all the all the corruption all the money that, that he's been taking this stuff president's been taking from foreign from foreign countries Mm-hmm. You know, was there um, some news about yeah, him recently? A couple weeks ago, some stuff came out about him, and I just assumed I would hear about it on Free Talk Live or mm-hmm. from one of one of you guys bringing it in. But I never heard much What's about the it. New news? I, that's the thing. I never heard much about it. It was like he got prosecuted for something, but it wasn't oh, anything that. big. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, uh, well, what they did, they, they just slapped his hand. You know, they gave yeah, him it was. Uh, I believe they were going to charge him with gun possession. And I think uh, tax evasion and wow. that they got a plea deal out of him where he agreed to take a guilty plea for tax evasion and they would drop the gun, the federal gun charge as a result of that. And the uh, sentence was essentially nothing. Wow. Wow. Well, so. yeah, it's, it's quite crazy what's going on. I mean, you must understand some of the things with all the the, the corruption and the evil greed because i it's got i don't know i i think they think there's too many of us on the planet now they want to thin us all out so that's why they're probably going after the climate change so they can you know do multiple things like you were saying tax us for it and it's already happening i mean why do you think all these corporations are doing like the bud light the like what bud light did because they're the the world bank are them to an ecg score you know what an ecg score is Yep, it's like a economic, social. I thought it would be environment, isn't it? Environment? Environmental, social, and something else score where the banks will you will need to have a certain amount to be able to access your money and stuff like that. It's already been happening in yeah, like a or, social or credit score. Yep. Even to get loans, 
But for corporations, right? Isn't the ECG for yeah, corporations? I think corporations it's stuff. actually happening right now for corporations, yeah. and, and it's like already oh, yeah. implemented. Oh, yeah. But people assume yeah, that it's already implemented. There are yeah. Chase Bank is one of the big ones that has been uh, to do this. Man, I think we're losing you. But thanks for calling in. You yeah, started breaking up. That was a good call, though, until it started getting all glitchy. Yep. But. I've been to Sandy, Utah, it's close to where I had to go drive to go pick up a coconut when I bought him. Oh, yeah. it's a town. Yeah. I just thought he was calling it Sandy just because it's a desert. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nope. That's a town. Do you want any more predictions? Uh, sure. Okay. Here's another one uh, from, again, this is the early 1970s. Quote, population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supplies we make, according to Paul Ehrlich, who confidently declared this in the April of 1970 issue of Mademoiselle. He said further, the death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people per year will be starving to death during the next 10 years. So by 1980, expecting 100 to 200 million people per year to be starving to death. Crazy. Never happened. No, and it's that's kind of crazy to me because if we lived in a world where every family had their own uh, working farm, or if communities had a working farm where people could pr- like produce food for their neighbors, mm-hmm. it would be impossible for that to happen. Well, right, plus- and, and like think of all the fields on the side of the road and stuff that could have cows uh, going and eating that. Uh, grass and then pooping on the soil, fixing up the microbiome so that way food could be grown there. I just really don't buy this. Like, I don't buy the idea that it's even uh, necessary for everyone on or anyone on earth to be starving. No, and there's very little starvation, I think, these days. I mean, I'm sure there's still some places in Africa that there's some difficulty in acquiring food, but that's not because there isn't enough food, right? That's because of despots and warlords and people who will stand in the way of food shipments getting to to those people. So, like, there's a ton of food in the world right now. Like, go out behind the local grocery store or whatever and see how much food is being thrown into the garbage, for instance. There's a ton of food out there. The other thing about, um, like, growing food that could be a lot more, you know, food in existence, like good food, is soy is so cheap to grow because of the fact that it takes nitrogen from the air instead of the ground. So, like, the I think it's nitrogen. I, I could be wrong about the exact element, but it takes it from the air instead of the ground. So they can keep over uh, doing it, growing soy every single year in this area. I think it has to be like a wetland, but uh, still they can keep doing it, and it normally would um, deplete the soil from that nutrient mm-hmm. And You're saying they don't have to rotate the crop? You don't have to rotate that crop mm-hmm. uh, because of mm. it taking it from the air. And uh, it's just like the cheapest in corn it, corn and soy are like so cheap to grow. Um, if we weren't just like, I think that we could have better quality food, if not more food. Food that's not poisoning us and giving us health problems. If we just allowed cows to be running around in those pastures eating uh whatever weeds that humans can't eat that's the magic of ruminants well and There's, also manure i mean yeah. that's important to be able to grow an abundant garden yep we, we uh could be doing a lot better i think that if we we're using manure and its byproducts instead of just a bunch of poison 
I mean, a huge issue is the, is the government, not only the regulations, but they're really cracking down on these farmers, right? So they're saying cows are the reason for global warming. We need to get rid of. I mean, was it? It was like the Netherlands or somewhere, somewhere in Europe, where they were forcing farmers to get rid of large amounts of their cattle mm-hmm. because of global warming, which to me doesn't. It, it doesn't make sense. Like to act like all these uh, big corporations who are literally polluting the atmosphere mm-hmm. with all of their byproducts to act like cows are somehow worse than these corporations. Yeah. They're trying to push people to eating bugs. In fact, right? anyone who had an issue, uh, has an issue with cows, oh, they're uh, causing global warming, but yet doesn't care about what happened in Ohio this year, has their priorities <laughs> pretty uh, messed up and probably doesn't really know what they're talking about. But I'm going to go back to the phones. We have Ricky from the Commonwealth calling. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Miss Bonnie, and you sounded so cute saying that. You made my heart go bumpity-bumpity. Brother Ian, <laughs> you still there? I'm right here. All right. Nikki's. And Sister, Nick, Sister Nikki, good evening. Good yes, evening. Sir. What's well, up? I heard you talking, well, I heard you talking about this drug use of politicians. I'm going to point out a politician who I promise you was using a certain drug. But before that, just for reference, so people can understand, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about my own drug use for a moment. Okay. Now, I did point out in the past, but I'll make it very quick. Now, my first love in life since I was 15 is weed. You know, I love weed. And I will say, and throughout all of 2017, if you look at my calls throughout May to the end of the year, I estimate about 200 calls. I was high as a kite every time. And it was a <laughs> deliberate act, and I drove my Southern Cross on. Those were the days when you used to say, Ian, when you'd announce me that I'm possessed by the president of CSA, Jefferson Davis. It was wonderful. But let's move on to another drug. Another drug. Now, this is the one I think shocked people. Half of 15, but all of 16, every other day, I was doing two lines of crystal. Now, crystal's a funny drug. You got to be careful. Is that crystal crystal meth? Mm -hmm. Okay. You got to be very careful, and there's a lot of variables, even stuff made in the lab. Now, the key is the no-quality product, and when you find a good supplier, you stick with it. Now, that's where I was. I'll just say I was getting it from an organization. We'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But it was clean and pure as the driven snow. The best stuff you're going to find, period. Is, did you just call now, to brag about um, doing drugs? Nope. I mean, what, what are you nope. Gonna... I just wanted to point out a no-problem. Okay. Let's talk about this politician. Yeah. Now. Now, well, we I don't know. It could be a staffer. I was a Hillary, was a Hillary Clinton supporter, mm-hmm. and she was going up against Donald Trump in the debates. Now, I forget which one it was. It was either the first one or the second one. Now, I could see back then, 2,400, but I could see. I'm watching this debate. Now, this guy was perfectly fine the day before, and he was perfectly fine the day after. Which guy? Donald now, Trump? During the debate, during the debate, the whole time he was going... You're talking about Trump. And also, he would step back from the podium, then lunge forward toward it. I'm watching this guy's mannerisms. Now, the interesting thing is, when I was campaigning, I would go out, and I would just go, and people, would, these guys would freak out. Now, immediately they said he had a cold. That cold got over quick. Now, one thing so I'll the big claim about- by Trump was that he was supposedly not a drug user. And I just okay, find that I, so hard to believe. Like, supposedly. Well, I'm going to tell you something that you don't know. Huh. Uh, now, first of all, I made it known that I'm an insomniac. I've been that way for 30 years. And also, I'm a caffeine addict. 
Oddly enough, Crystal is something I love. I love because I lo- I'm an insomniac. I love being an insomniac. This is even better. Donald That's Trump a strange thing a to say. Addict. Why would you love being an insomniac? Isn't an insomniac someone who well, can't sleep? Well, he's a software programmer, so maybe he likes to stay up for hours on software programming. Right. Now, here's the key. Donald Trump is a caffeine addict. He's a Diet Coke addict. He, he drinks tons of it. Okay. Now, here's the other thing. He's an insomniac for decades. D- now, is that a publicly known thing about him? Because I well, absolutely. Now, okay. one thing I'll tell you. Now, I'm sure Donald Trump had a regular supplier, and I wasn't moving around at that time. A supplier of what? Now, he co- imagine he comes into town. D- well, hold on. You said Donald Trump had a regular supplier of what? Let's say, for example, he had he did do crystal. He would have a regular supplier. Now he comes into town mm-hmm. for that debate. He's going to do two lines of crystal. He's going to grab it somewhere. Crystal can be unpredictable. Now, I didn't have that he's issue. He's not going to grab it somewhere. <laughs> like, like you said, he's going to have, like, top-notch. Yeah, if he did meth, which... Is, Bonnie, with Crystal, it can be unpredictable. You know? And I'll tell you, I didn't oh, have Oh, well, that's because that it's the dark... What, you know, it's the dark markets, right? The black market. That's markets. what I'm saying. He's not going to just, like... To be- it's hard. No, even, yeah, it's hard to know what you're so going to get. But I think what Ricky's saying here is he's probably got a connection, right? Like, so Donald Trump right, right, probably right. knows so people so in right. certain cities who can get him whatever it is that he needs because he doesn't need to just pull up in now, the ghetto imagine, or whatever and start asking imagine around. Imagine he gets a different recipe that he's not used to. He'll have a sudden, maybe for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. it all of a sudden gets better. That Could ain't be. no damn cold. Yeah. Could it be. just kind of seems like a wild accusation. It, it really it does. Like, how do I, you... Like, I know Crystal, believe me, Nikki. <laughs> but I mean, like, anything you snort would give the same exact yeah, things, right? Any, any upper than you snort. Be. Starting up your nose. He could Cocaine? be crushing up... Yeah, he could be doing coke. I mean, he could be crushing up uh, pills. Adderall, yeah. 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 There's all kinds of people that snort all kinds of different things. Well, thank you for the call, Ricky. But uh, but it's not unbelievable that Donald Trump could be doing drugs. And I I always found it at all. I always found it to be unbelievable the claim that he doesn't do drugs. I've never heard that claim. That's the supposed claim. I mean, I'm leaving uh, leaving caffeine aside. I think I have heard of his diet coke addiction, so he probably does have a caffeine addiction. But uh, like the guy is, he spends time in Vegas. He's in, you know, the upper echelons of New York City. He's an he's adrenaline been, junkie. Well, he's a power he, junkie. A power he's junkie. an attention junkie. He's also been in uh, Hollywood, right? Like, he's been on television uh, a bunch. He had his own show, the, what was it, The Apprentice? Yeah, I think the it was what, what it was called. So, like, he's been in mm-hmm. scenes where there should be wide drug use. If Trump himself has never used drugs, he's certainly been around countless people from his makeup artist to his hairstylist to, you know, his, the producer to, you know, you name it. The, the the people that work in the entertainment industry, the people that work in the restaurant industry, that, you know, wherever he's been, he's been surrounded by drug use. He most assuredly has, is aware of it. He's most assuredly has seen it. And so the fact that this guy can get out and say he's going to give the death penalty to a drug dealer, which is, is the thing that he's been saying, he, yeah. that's what he believes in, it's just seems just so disingenuous to me. Well, that's obviously just a vote for me thing mm-hmm. because uh, probably most people who would be interested in voting for Trump would want him to yeah. not be a drug user. But um, the other thing is, for, first of all, Whitney Houston... Like uh, my my thing about Ricky's call is that I don't believe I wouldn't jump to meth as a first guess because 
um, well, for lots of reasons, like Trump doesn't have all these other signs. Like I don't see like uh, spocks on his face and stuff like that. Um, yeah. If that's what they're called, pox on his face. I don't know at um, what point during a meth user's career you get to the point of the pox on the face. He's pretty fat too. That's true. And uh, the the other thing about it is just like he's so rich. Like what I was going to say about Whitney Houston is she got accused by Barbara Walters. Yeah. She was like, weren't you doing uh, crack? And she was like, first of all, I'm rich and crack is whack. I don't do mm. crack. I would do a much more uh, sophisticated drug like paraphrasing. Like but she did say crack yeah. is whack, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just don't... I love that interview. I It was kind of sad because she was like being really Barbara Walters is being really aggressive. Right. But the whole thing is very hilarious. She uh, Winnie Houston really did hold herself together, though. She made herself look like the more professional person. But uh, yeah, I just don't believe that Trump would uh, like kind of stoop to doing meth. It sounds it's more just like a poor people drug. <laughs> what do you think? 603-283-6160. You can call in with anything that's on your mind. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church. ShireSociety.com Free Talk Live It's Free Talk Live and that's talk radio that you control 603-283 6160 is the number if you'd like to call in and give us your opinion on anything we're talking about here or bring up something new if you'd like. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Nikki, and it's Ian. And I do want to tell you about our sponsor, Dash. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. All of us here on the show use Dash. Well, Ian can't use Dash right now, but but I used to use it every day almost in Keene before I got arrested by the government. It's extremely. Extremely good for that, just like buying snacks at the Mighty Moose Mart here in Keene or mm-hmm. something like that, because you don't have to pay $3 on top of your purchase. Uh, you pay Which you less would have than to probably with, with Bitcoin, where Bitcoin fees are like a dollar right now, at least yep. in many cases, according to the statistics I've seen. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. 
There is no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies, and it's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by or start learning more by, sorry, start by learning more at dash.org. And a big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. Indeed. But yeah, we were talking before the break. We had multiple stories coming out of the White House today. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before the break about how the White House is basically acting like supervillains in a comic book movie. Because they... Well, I mean, they always do that. Well, yeah, but... This is excessive, though. This is a little excessive, yeah. Um, the White oh, House this report, story in particular? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, the White House report signals openness to manipulating sunlight to prevent climate change. Blocking out the sun like freaking uh, Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons. It's just so crazy because the sun is so good for you and right. it's villainized. Like, this oh, is insane. Yeah. It's, is that what they're actually talking about doing? Yeah. When they say manipulating it, that means to block it out? Yeah, we haven't gotten into it. Why don't we okay. get into it? Yeah, I'd love to hear that. A research document published on the White House website reveals the Biden administration is open to studying how to block sunlight. To save the Earth from climate change. Oh my gosh! How does that no. even uh, like how how does that even follow the idea that you that by blocking the sun, the most life giving thing yeah. in our existence, how are they going to try to say that is going to help the so called climate? It's just it's so insane to me because all of the things that they're like oh for climate change it's like just like just like not i it's just it's so mind-blowing to me like killing all of the animals that people are eating basically destroying food sources blocking the sun i, I just don't understand how this they do understand that plants the need the sun right like that's yeah. they do they understand that even their crickets if they want to see crickets they need you know sunlight. it just seems like they're trying to kill everybody it really does like that's the end goal of this plan to save the climate we need to kill billions of people and then the climate will be fine here's the other thing isn't this coming from the same people that are offering subsidies to get solar panels installed in people's homes? Mm, that's a good point. How do they even how can they even say this and expect people to I mean, are people really excited about this? Are people I like, yeah, let's block out the sun? Really? I, I mean, there's been uh, geoengineering going on for a long time. Like Nikki said, the chemtrail things oh, like R- Rhode Island openly said that they are doing it to reflect some of the sunlight back to uh, help, ro- or you it, know, that makes absolutely no. It sense. doesn't matter if it makes no sense. I'm just telling you that it's what the government is claiming to do. Just because it doesn't make any sense, just because you don't believe in it, doesn't mean that psychopaths aren't out there utilizing it mm-hmm. for whatever aim they have. Yeah, I think we should just set up a giant mirror and then reflect the sunlight back into <laughs> outer space. Yeah, but it takes then- its own medicine. Yeah, yeah, like, take that. So stupid. The other thing is, I don't know if this is scientifically sound, but my first thought with the idea that we could just block out sunlight is, like, if we had some kind of a layer keeping sunlight out, wouldn't we just get, like, convection baked anyway? I I don't know if that really makes sense, but if we had a tight layer keeping sunlight out, seems like it would be hotter. I don't even know what are they talking about doing. How are they going to block the sun? 
says the congressionally mandated report released by the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy on Friday shows that the team has been researching geoengineering methods to keep the sun rays from accelerating global warming. As the University of Oxford notes in its entry on the subject, geoengineering is the deliberate large-scale intervention in the Earth's natural systems to counteract climate change. Wow, it's all very vague. According to the report titled, Congressionally Mandated Report on Solar Radiation Modification, the types of geoengineering methods the Biden administration is looking into are stratospheric aerosol injection and marine cloud brightening what stratospheric aerosol injection sounds to me like chemtrails like chemtrails yeah Mm -hmm. additionally the paper mentions uh there is research in cirrus cirrus cloud thinning well i think we should go to the phones cirrus cloud thinning yeah thinning them I think cirrus are like the biggest, white, fluffiest, fattest ones. Wouldn't the clouds be blocking the sunlight? So why would they want to thin those clouds? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, none of this makes sense. Doesn't make any sense doesn't at make all any to sense. me. Well, and the whole idea of going up and spreading, I mean, the, the term that is commonly used is chemtrails, but in this case, we would be talking about like spreading some sort of metal flakes or something, right? The idea would be that they would reflect the sunlight or somehow block the sunlight. I mean, that's not the same thing as like a chemical being dropped but it is ultimately you know something that cannot be a good thing at all i mean imagine well these, you're breathing it in yeah you're gonna potentially people would be breathing it in they're going to land on crops and i don't imagine that having water. unwanted metals in your crops or your water supply is going to be good for uh the people that are consuming those things so like this is this sounds like it's an ecological disaster that they're talking about doing here and I don't know if it'll even be successful at blocking the sun. Like I a- mean, because this is what it is. They're trying to kill everybody and they're, you know, masquerading as, oh, this is to save you. Yep. I, I, mm. I do believe that they've been trying to thin people out. Why else would they want the hospitals to be less efficient? Why else would they want to get rid of anybody in the hospital system who questions something that could be harming people? Mm. I'm really, honestly, one of my biggest fears right now is just like, me or one of my family members or Ian like needing to go to the hospital and not really not as bad about something that's like life threatening but just like some disease and then they accelerate it because they're all just listening to whatever they learned 10 years ago uh being dictated to them I don't know do you think COVID was like a failed attempt at this at population control no I think it was a successful attempt at it because it didn't kill very many people no I don't think the the uh thing was supposed to kill very many people mm-hmm. the virus i think that what, what it was supposed to do is exactly what i said they took out every good person in in the hospital industry now if you need to go mm. to the hospital some of them i don't think very but many why not of them, kill a bunch more people like if your goal is to kill people they why did not kill put a lot of people deadly... with remdesivir yeah that's true I mean, certainly it could be. You could claim that it was to try to get people to take the vaccine, and they were very successful yeah, were at getting people to take the vaccine. Which, of course, may not be a vaccine. It may just be a, some sort of experimental, you know, thing that changes people's DNA for whatever. I don't think purpose. the actual companies actually even claim it's a vaccine. Well, I don't know, uh, but I don't know. Just it just seems strange to me. It seems like they just failed, right? Like if if yeah. if COVID was supposed to be this deadly thing. 
they just didn't do a very good job at designing it or they didn't count on people's bodies being able to resist it in the way that it that it did. Well, the thing about releasing a deadly virus is they would be subject to getting it and dying. I don't think they that would they be. would do That's that. That's true. That's I a think good point. that the point was to put out a not very deadly virus. Kill the oldest of the old and the sickest of the sick. Maybe. Those, I don't even really people. believe that, but they put well, out that's Rendezvous. What, that's who died from it. Well, did they or did they die from Rendezvous? They went to the hospitals. And it's hard to tell, right? Yeah. And I'm just, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe if we knew like a huge, all the numbers of people who went to the hospitals and died of COVID who did and didn't take Rendezvous um, or, you know, get put on an iron lung or whatever they're called. They're not really called iron lugs anymore. That's for uh, polio. Ventilators. I, I, yeah, yeah, ventilators. Ventilators, there we go. But I think we should go to the phones. We have Kadu in Connecticut. Kadu, what's on your mind? Hey, sorry. I think we got like a motorcycle in the background, but I have more um, unsubstantiated uh, rumors about drug, uh, Trump's drug use. Okay. And uh, this is one that I take for uh, as a decongestant for kind of allergies and also a sort of self-medication for ADHD kind of stuff. And uh, it's uh, Sudafedrin, Mm -hmm. and it used to be marketed as Sudafed. I don't know if it still is. Mm -hmm. You can get it behind the counter in a lot of places so long as you have an ID. And, um, you know, it basically increases wakefulness. Um, It's a a stimulant. And uh, I read an article one time. I, I couldn't tell you the source or or exactly who it was, but they were basically saying Trump is addicted to these um, uh, decongestant Hmm. pills, these stimulant decongestants, and that um, he's, you know, he takes a ton of them, and he basically only sleeps four four hours a night. And um, Well, he is old. He survives on this. (laughs) Old people are supposed to sleep a lot. They go to sleep early. No, old people are supposed to sleep less, as I understand it, like four or five hours a night. I just looked it up because I was um, curious. You can make meth out of Sudafed. That's correct. Mm. So it's that's why they made it. So you have to show ID. Yeah. To so it. it's just interesting that I mean those are very similar things. Yeah, which Ricky, is what Ricky was saying. Yeah, Ricky yeah, did say so he knows I mean, meth. He's onto something very well. But wait, uh, are you saying Kadu that you can just pop a Sudafed and catch a buzz off that? Um. Well, I can. I'll speak subjectively. For me, I get like a mild buzz i mean it's it's a little it's different uh it's different than caffeine but it's um it's got it's got similarities it's maybe more of a body thing than a keeping your mind awake thing is more of caffeine and uh i feel like the pseudoephedrine thing almost like keeps your body awake more uh that's just my mm. interpretation but um it's not actually very healthy to take too much of this stuff because of not. it'll increase your your adrenaline which uh is toxic to do too much i take a very kind of low dose of it but i don't know so whatever that's worth to you guys <laughs> thank you for that Kadu. apparently i'm wrong uh according to familydoctor.org elderly people are needing seven to eight hours of sleep yeah so. they go wake up real early so you might think that but mm, they go to sleep real earlier. early okay like mark got it <laughs> Yeah, if Trump Aww. is only sleeping four hours a night, he would be completely zonked. Like, yeah. that would be Didn't Elon Musk bad. also say that? That he only gets, like, a few hours of sleep a night and... That is not good for you. Yeah, I if think... If that's true. No, it's not. But I think he was saying that, that he gets his best work done wow. really, really early in the morning, like, before he goes to sleep. 
and only sleeps for a few hours. The best uh, nootropics users, what do they call them? Biohackers will tell you like sleep is a biohack. Like get good sleep. All your drugs will work better. Your brain will function better because it's like a really tempting thing if you're an overachiever to want to like not sleep. Stay up. Yes, yeah, stay mm-hmm. up. But keep working, doing your modafinil or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a price to pay for that. The best, yeah. Um, you know, biohackers will tell you. Well, and even you, you can tell when you're sleep deprived, you start to go crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, I've like been that's there. why it's like a form of torture. Well, they'll keep you up for Absolutely. weeks. But you start hallucinating. I've heard a story. I forget who told me this, but. I, I think it was someone I knew personally. They tried an experiment where they were trying to stay awake as long as possible. So it was oh like boy. these two girls were, you know, like basically locked themselves in this room. And I think they made it like three or four days and then they started to go like literally insane. insane. Yeah. Ian did. And then after it was hard for them to fall asleep oh. because they were just so wired. And that happens to me too, working night shift sometimes. If I go a couple of days without sleeping because I don't get the opportunity. Once I do get the opportunity, sometimes it's hard for me to turn my brain off just because I'm like survival mode, just trying to get everything done. So it's it's really, really terrible I, for you. It's terrifying as well. I've gone through this uh, and uh, I would not recommend it to anyone. Very, very dangerous. And one of the reasons why is because essentially what happens, the best way to explain it is imagine if you were able to dream while you were awake. Mm. And now imagine what kind of crazy things would happen if you were not like normally if you're dreaming and it's a crazy dream as many of them are you're fine you're safe because you're just you're laying in your bed you're immobile maybe you're going to toss and turn a little bit but you wake up you know the worst case is you're going to fall out of bed right like that's the worst case scenario but if you're if you are awake and you're walking around or you're up and about or whatever and then overlaid over your actual normal vision is whatever it is that you're dreaming about you are literally going to see things that aren't there and you will react to them yeah. with your full body ability to react to things that are not actually in reality. Yeah. It's almost it's worse insane. than sleepwalking. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely insane. Like, as I've gotten older, I've had a lot less nightmares. I've never stayed up long enough to hallucinate or anything like that. But when I was a kid, I had to have nightmares all the time. But as I've gotten older, it's like even when a nightmare is happening, I have this knowing that I could wake up. Like, even if it is getting scary, I always have this in the back of my head, like, I know I could wake up. And that's why I think Mm -hmm. I can't lose a dream. It's like, I am always aware. I I have such vivid dreams almost every night that's like, I'm aware when I'm dreaming, but it makes it, I don't know. And I don't think I can lose a dream because of that. Hmm. But yeah, if you were, if you were awake and you were having a bad dream, you wouldn't have that, oh, I can just wake up feeling. So yeah, not very reassuring. Don't well, do that. We have another caller on the line. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hey, good evening. I called to talk about the geoengineering stuff a little bit more, just to give you some background on those kind of things here. Okay. Um, these uh, these things have been going on for quite a while, actually. Uh, there's all kinds of talk from Oxford University about uh, how they use stuff like solar radiation management, cloud seeding, carbon dioxide removal. There's a whole list of stuff. Um, I've even seen when I was studying to be an insurance advisor, they straight up admitted it right in the textbooks how the insurance industry actually operates cloud seeding uh, to reduce hail in urban areas and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's just an example from one industry saying that they do it. Um, So there's a lot of this stuff out there. I've seen weathermen talking about how the the droplets of uh, metal particles actually interfere with their radar systems and blaming it on them. 
Um, so apparently, like this is really, really well known, but not among the public. Yeah, I, I could believe it. I mean, if the technology is there, I would expect psychopaths to use it for their own advantage. Yeah, completely, completely. And I totally agree with you that they're trying to send the population out here. I mean, back in 2019, at the very end of the year, the UN held this great big conference right before COVID kicked off, of course, as you were mentioning, Becky. And they were saying that, yeah, unless we have a sudden drastic drop in the world population, the Earth is doomed. That was the consensus that they reached at the end of this event. But instead of, you know, trying to warn us all about, hey, what are we going to do? We all heard about this killer virus. Do, do you have any... hospital shut down. Do you have any opinion on uh, what their angle was for COVID? Like, do you think they were trying to kill us with COVID or with the jabs or with the things I was saying? No. You're completely on point. You're 100% correct. Uh, we even heard it from the DOD themselves. Uh, Trump's DOD guy for the, for the Pentagon, when he was on a mic, he accidentally slipped up in 2020 and said that uh, COVID was a, a live operation or a live exercise, he said. And you heard Trump in the background saying on the hot mic, I wish you would have told me. Um, it was an exercise basically to see who complies, who doesn't, what kind of problems they can anticipate. With the, the real plan to kill us all was the climate lockdowns. That's going to be Agenda 2030 and beyond. Um, but this was their way of just seeing who is who, uh, who among you know the Alex Jones and Free Talk Live fans are going to pull what kind of moves and how to neutralize them, and then they're going to go for the real one. So you think the climate lockdowns are coming next? Do you think that uh, some people have speculated that the uh, the wildfires will be the the first excuse for uh, for lockdowns? What do you think? Well, you see, all the police are saying, the emergency service personnel are saying that this is arson. Uh, the media is just not repeating it. They're going with their own narrative, just like when the doctors were saying, hey, this is a flu. They were losing their licenses, and the mm-hmm. media was going with their own story and saying whatever they want. Uh, so the mainstream media is saying that this is uh, all going to be because of climate change, but it's, it's really ours. And all the satellite photos in Quebec show that these fires all started around the same minute. Yeah, I saw uh, that. That's very, wow. pretty, it's pretty just, impossible. Oh, and that's the thing, too. Like, that would be a wild coincidence. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to believe that for a second. is ridiculous. Sorry, what was that? It's ridiculous to suppose that there was a completely uniform flashpoint. Yeah. Ian and I watched this video yesterday where somebody was looking at the, it basically shows you like a heat map style or heat, uh, yeah, map style of the United States. And she was seeing where the air quality is the best and where it is the worst. It goes on a scale of like zero to 500 and 500 is really bad. And you should be at like around 50, like zero to 50, but no one's at zero. But um, yeah, right now is probably the right right time to get out of the city because what they're trying to do is make the rural areas unlivable mm-hmm. uh, by burning them up, uh, poisoning the water with these trained railmen, stuff like that. They want to drive people into their 15-minute cities and climate lock them down forever. So that's the goal. Well, they can kill the most people there. But anyways, on this uh, heat map type map showing the air quality, there was a perfect circle of an area in Canada, northern Quebec, like the boonies, um, that was... 500. A perfect circle. Wow, that's creepy. Miles and miles uh, in diameter, but when you... when really someone's, no When someone zoomed in on it, there was the biggest um, electrical facility in Quebec in the center of it, and it's the size of hundreds of football fields. So it's basically just emitting some sort of radiation or something? That's what people are guessing. Well, thank you for the call, caller. Very interesting. I've heard lots of people say things about, like, geoengineering has been... Um, you know, admitted right in the open, and then people just say, oh, that's absolutely 
just conspiracy theories like I mean, Ian. and that's no, that's not to- what I've said, Bonnie. Just to clarify, there have been some uh, admitted examples over the years of the government spraying various different things. Uh, so yeah, there's absolute evidence that that happens. I just don't think it happens in the way of frequency that the chemtrail let's call them aficionados why you think they believe? have to admit it every single time you think no that i'm not saying that i just these time? people literally look at the sky and every time they look up they believe they're being poisoned and i'm sorry that is a paranoid uh viewpoint that is not based in any kind of reality it is pure paranoia to believe that and to live in a world in a headspace where you're constantly being poisoned is a very i think a dangerous uh, mentality to take hold is of. it dangerous to uh point out that a train is coming if a train is in fact coming is it dangerous yeah, well, because that's negative that. that's negative no, no that would, I'm, there would be well, evidence you could I see the train coming you're acting like people look up at a clear blue sky and say no i didn't I'm say clear poisoned. blue sky they look up at the sky and anytime there's a cloud up there they believe that it's it's poison it's i mean these every, people nobody really is doing exist. That every time there's a cloud up there it's when there's a strange uh, I'm telling you, these people exist. Okay, coming out you can of believe me or not. I, one of them was on our show a long time ago. That is not thirty thousand feet up. He was he was over on Lake Spofford in New Hampshire. It was a beautiful night. It looked amazing, and he all he could talk about was how they were chemtrails. Okay, there are some crazy <laughs> people. Like, just take everywhere. it easy, man. All right, six zero three two eight three six one six zero. You can call in whatever is on your mind. Free talk live. Control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number if you'd like to call in and bring up whatever is on your mind or comment on what we're talking about. 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Nikki. It's Ian. And we have a caller, so I'm going to go right into the phones. We have Tony from Tennessee. What's on your mind, Tony? Hey there. I just wanted to give y'all some food for thought. A long time ago, what where I'm talking three or four years ago now, uh, all the prices started to go up. Well, it's awful funny that about that same time, people started crying for $15 an hour minimum wage. And me personally, I feel like that's about the time that all the prices started to go up. I understand the supply chain shortages and all that with COVID. I get that. But at the same time, right before that, they were start started talking about the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage, and I feel like the corporations thought, "Oh no, if this goes through and they change it, we're going to have to pay everyone double." So what we got to do now to head this off is raise our prices mm-hmm. and get us a big profit so that we can afford to pay those people double if it is federally mandated no i'm afraid that's not what is going on tony so what has happened recent years has been a tremendous amount of money printing so the central bank uh, is known as the federal reserve here in the united states and they and other central banks all around the planet the bank of japan and uh, whatever the british one is and the european central bank They have all been printing trillions and trillions of dollars worth of uh, money, and that money is going into the money uh, money supply, and it is chasing around the same amount of goods, or even a smaller one if there is indeed a supply shortage. 
And that means the prices are naturally going to go up because there's simply more money to go around. So that is why you see the prices going up. Businesses then have to increase the wages that they're paying. Not right away, but eventually they have to increase the the wages that they're paying because prices are going up of everything and the people that are working for them literally can't live unless they get an increase uh, in, in what they're paying. So no, it doesn't have to do with some sort of grandiose plot by the the mega corporations they are just simply responding to the economic incentives or the economic situation that's created by the central bank well couldn't he be go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say couldn't tony be correct in a way like that it's like a perfect storm of such of things because it was just maybe right before 2020 like starting in like 2016 bernie sanders was running and people started demanding $15 minimum wages. That's been going and, on for a long time. But stuff started going up to that high in around 2016, like get working at certain right. uh, fast that's, food that's restaurants. Why I put those two together. No, fast food didn't start issues. paying 15 until uh, post-COVID. No, that's not true. Well, maybe in some cities like New York, you could make 15, yeah, like but your, cities, typical, your typical fast food job was still probably around 10 an hour. You just, uh, you know, until I, I think you you're saw. just considering only keen because like in Austin, Texas... It would be hard to get a, in some of the South. Uh, they were paying less than ten dollars an hour. I'm not saying it was food. federally mandated, Ian. I'm, I'm not saying, saying you were saying that. I'm telling you that uh, if you were to look at the numbers of what fast food workers were getting paid in the South, some of them were like eight, nine, ten dollars an hour. I'm so. just saying that a bunch of places, bunch of stores, uh, started paying fifteen dollars minimum. There's a specific one I can't think of right now. There's a specific mm-hmm. kind of left liberal. Yeah, there were some. Co- there were right. certainly some corporations that did go up to fifteen as sort of a signaling uh, thing. Like, and that's we're going to have implications. Like, it, obviously, if everyone got started paying minimum uh, wage of fifteen dollars minimum, mm-hmm. it would have way bigger implications more immediately. But if a lot of people are getting paid that much money for entry level jobs, I think it would have. Huge implications right away. Like uh, the money would just be le- worthless because everybody's got a bunch of money. Well, right. So okay. all this money is being printed. Where in the world is it going? Uh, the stimulus that's, that's checks is a, a big one. That's not even that big. It's going mostly to the politically connected corporations like the military industrial complex, the Pfizer and the, you know, the, what do you call them? The pharmaceutical industrial mm-hmm. complex, uh, all these politically connected organizations. But to go back to what you were saying, Bonnie, if there were companies that just decided they wanted to raise the amount that they were paying. I think it was in and out. That doesn't mean there would be more money going around. That means they would just then have to start charging more for their items at that point. And, and fewer people would then be able to afford those items because there wouldn't be more money going around. You have to have also more uh, you know, of this money being pumped into the economy for there to be, quote unquote, more money to go around. But of course, then we know that the money's worth less. So it doesn't matter that there's more money going around, which is why right okay, now, so when you beautiful. go to the store and you buy something, it costs like a Subway sandwich costs you more than twice what it cost you yeah, just a like few years ago. Yeah, it's $15 almost. Yeah. Crazy. You're right, still getting the so same amount of sandwich. Hmm? It's a circle. The more money that people pay, the more money that that is printed. The more money people are using, prices are going up. So it's all a big old circle. How do we break this circle, I wonder? Yes, uh, that's a great question. The way to break the circle would be to get out of using the dollar 
and get out of using the government money wherever you live in the world. If you're in Europe, you get out of using the euro. If you're in Australia, you get out of using the Australian dollar. If you're in the United States, you get out of the U.S. dollar and you put that into something of actual real value that the government doesn't have the ability to manipulate that they cannot manipulate the supply the circle you're describing really starts with the government's money supply that's where the real problems start everybody else is just reacting to that but when they go on the mainstream media and they say oh no no no, it's corporations that are doing this they're lying to you okay the corporations i'm not a big fan of big corporations but the corporations are just responding to the economic situation that is out there. And that means they have to raise their prices. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, check out out, uh, cryptocurrency, Tony, and also check out gold and silver. These are alternatives that you can get into without having to ask permission uh, that you can just get some of it. You know, I wouldn't say put everything into it. I'm not a financial advisor, but if I were you, I would get something and hold on to it. Do self-custody. Don't put it in somebody else's hands. Teach your kids okay. how to access this stuff. Teach your grandkids how to access this stuff. And then uh, everybody can put a little bit of their value into these alternatives. And as the government keeps printing money, because they're going to keep printing money, you can guarantee that. They're, they're going to keep inflating the money supply. That's the one thing they can't touch. It's cryptocurrency and gold and silver, precious metals like that. They don't have the ability to manipulate those supplies. Well, thank you for your call, Tony. Um, and yeah, and I wasn't saying that the biggest issue isn't money printing by any means. I was just saying that there would be implications if a company just decided, yeah, I'm going to pay way more than what's worth for this job. And one of yeah, the, implications the implications would be their own their products raising prices. Right. And that's what his call was about. Well, he was suggesting that it was might be the corporations who are behind all this, and that's the the wrong cause and effect. The yeah, I don't think, um, and I mean, the minimum wage raise might... It definitely does affect things, but I wouldn't say that that's what is causing the huge spike in prices. Well, let's remember, they I haven't said- actually raised the minimum wage on the national level. It's still 725 or whatever it was, 750 or something. But a lot in that of states have. I think own. Massachusetts, it's like 15 or more. Yep, but even true. if you look around New Hampshire, so we don't have a state mandated minimum wage it's just correct the the federal one is yeah exactly so it defaults to the federal which i believe is still good luck finding any job that will hire you for less than 10 or even 15 well and you know that's my point i think it was mcdonald's that was hiring people like entry level Mm -hmm. for 20 dollars an hour there was another local spot um in downtown Keene that was hiring fry cooks for $22 an I believe hour. It. Yep. The, ch- the cheapy so, grocery store down here, Aldi's hiring at least 16 an hour. You know, and it, and it's still hard to even get the college kids and the high school mm-hmm. kids to work those jobs. Because it's not paying enough, you know? It's just $15 an hour is not really even livable at this point. That's why now they're pushing for 30 right? Yeah. <laughs> it just never ends, you know? Yeah. Well, my point wasn't that... Them raising their personal ones in 2016 is the cause of everything. But I was pointing out that he wasn't wrong that it started happening several years ago. So it started happening several years ago. Now we have things like states actually mandating $15 an hour. I just, I can't say it's not part of the problem. And and corporations are at the crux at the beginning of it, are, are 
uh, causing this to happen because they're all in cahoots together. And I'm not saying they would just go, I'm going to raise my price to make profit. That doesn't actually make sense. And that's something Tony said, which he'd mm-hmm. be just completely wrong about because, I mean, that wouldn't even work in a real like free market or or if nothing else had been uh, implemented thus far, them just raising their prices wouldn't give them a profit. It would make uh, room in the market for someone else to come in actually doing it for uh, the normal price. But that's true. my point is, um, I forgot. They're hurting themselves if they raise their prices. Oh yeah, the corporations are. Uh, I believe at the you know he said something about like the cause are or starting this themselves because they know that they're going to get it funneled into them whenever uh, the government prints and. Um, they get it funneled to them like during COVID nineteen that happened. Well, some corporations, the politically connected well, the big ones, corporations, all the biggest ones. Yeah, I mean, the biggest ones were big. able to open up and stay open during the COVID restrictions and all that. For oh sure. my god, the biggest ones are the ones that profited the most. Like in in t- San mm-hmm. Antonio, one thing that pissed me off was, oh, okay, so all the little uh, stores are being forced to close, but H E B is doing numbers That's because sorry, store. H-E-B is a large grocery store in San Antonio. I mean, in Texas, in all over Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, they were one of the ones that were like allowed. They were given permission to stay open because of uh, necessity. But sure. smaller ones like La Mitchell Cons closed. Uh, so anyways, it, it pissed me off because at one point I had a manufacturer's coupon for $2. It's not like it was like going to break my bank if I didn't get this uh, done. But any time, any old time, way before 2020 or today, if you have a manufacturer's coupon, it doesn't matter if the store, it's not a store coupon. So mm-hmm. if you are buying like Procter & Gamble and it's a Procter & Gamble uh, thing, the clerk should be able to put, type it in, put it, push it through for you if the like self-checkout isn't working. Yeah, sure. Uh, isn't taking it um, because it's, you know, the, the manufacturer is guaranteeing it. But That's right. during COVID... HEB had a policy where if it didn't automatically beep through, they would not push it through for you. Jeez. Just quote unquote due to quote COVID. And I remember like getting I. <laughs> they didn't want probably, you handing them a coupon. <laughs> this is probably the closest to a Karen thing I did all of COVID, and it was barely even like that. But I was like, seriously, you guys are making bank, and you can't like you can't even lose two dollars yeah like if it well, meant something to me it doesn't mean anything get, to them yeah they get, they, they the get reimbursed that's yeah. so true but yeah she was like uh it's just policy right now mm. due to covid and i was Stupid. just so annoyed by that yeah yeah the heb and all the big things that were allowed to stay open walmart and all that mm-hmm. made way more money than they normally would because of the um artificial barriers for other people yeah, that no weren't doubt. applied to them and yeah pisses me off Yeah, they really hurt a lot of small businesses. And what we're seeing now is, you know, this financial reckoning is it's still coming to bear. So, like, there was the COVID lockdown and what the situation Bonnie was describing where little businesses, mom and pop businesses were not allowed to open. Uh, And then, of course, the mega corporations, fine, go on in, get all your shopping done. Everything's cool with them. So they you were can't able get to keep COVID in there as everyone, long as you follow the lines. Yeah, on the you got to keep following <laughs> the stupid arrows. Uh, and and then they reopened, quote unquote. By that time, a bunch of businesses, smaller businesses, had gone out of business. We saw it happening around here. Uh, they they're just gone, and so some businesses didn't make it. Others managed to hold on. You know, maybe they got the the free handout from the federal government, or maybe they were just, you know, that good with their money. They had some money, you know, in, in savings. They were able to make it through, and they're still here today. But now there's uh, other problems that are coming, uh, you know, coming forward, such as the commercial real estate situation, 
where a lot of businesses had, you know, because they were shut down, they went to remote work. A lot of people who had never done remote work before or had been able to get into remote work. And many of those people have stayed as remote workers. Some of them moved out from the areas uh, which they lived before. They got a job or not a job, but they got a house somewhere else. But yet they still work the same job. Some of them did take a pay cut because of that, because the companies basically said, hey, if you don't live in San Francisco, we're not going to pay you San Francisco rates. If you're Hmm. living out, you know, in Montana now, we're going to cut your your pay. I hadn't heard much about that, but that makes sense. That that did happen to some people. Uh, but now those office buildings, which were previously occupied by these companies, many of them are gone. Like the, like those companies have left those spaces, and there's not a bunch of companies like waiting in the wings to take the empty office space over. So I got a video from Peter St. Ange where he goes over some of the numbers, and it's like, 25%, I think, is the average, if I recall correctly, on commercial real estate that is empty. So like one yeah. out of four spaces in any given office park or in a uh, strip mall or something like that, one out of four, and it's probably worse in some areas and, and better in some areas, but that's a lot of empty space that isn't going to get filled. And the problem really comes in, I mean, that's a problem on its own, but the problem really comes in apparently when these office space buildings, they come up for like, okay, now it's time to pay the loan off on the actual property. The owner of the office building, you know, if they don't have a full building, can they make the payment on their property yeah, that's that's coming due? Probably not. And from what I learned, I think it was Peakless Mountaineer on Saturday nights, he says the way these commercial loans for properties work is that there's like a big balloon payment that comes later after so many years. It's not the same thing. It's not like a 30-year, your personal mortgage on your home. It's a different setup. It's where, and again, I've never gotten commercial property like this, so I don't know all the details on it. If you're like a real estate, commercial real estate person, you can clarify this. Feel free to call in at 603-283-6160. But the idea is at some point, you got to make a big, big payment, like bigger than what you've been making in order to kind of finish the deal or whatever. And if they're at 25% empty, the idea is that there's like literally over a trillion dollars worth of office space right now that is not going to be able to make that payment. The owners aren't going to be able to, so they're going to default on those payments, which means that the banks that have made those loans aren't going to get their money back on those loans. And that could be a serious problem for a lot of these banks that are already just barely hanging on well, get your money out of the banks folks yeah right but they, so in theory if that happened the bank would get the property but if Add no it. one wants to buy it because a lot right. of companies realized right. hey we don't need to be paying this giant real estate overhead for all of our people that can just yep. work from home from a lot of different jobs i want like it seems like a lot of companies realized that. Yeah, exactly. So no one really wants to be buying these sort of So they're going to have to sell them at a fraction of their value. And that means that they're not going to be able to fulfill the amount of money that they laid out to make the loan to the company in the first place. And all that money is just going to, you know, be gone. And earlier this year, um, Biden already kind of, uh, I guess the term isn't bailout. He did some workaround to where he basically bailed out some banks without using the term bailout. But yeah, there was a safety net for banks needing to be bailed out and they emptied it. I think they came close to emptying it, but well, they're I'm just saying taxing if- the banks essentially to uh, to bring that back. But if more banks fail at a All quicker at once, rate, yeah. then it's going to be a real problem.
Yep, and, and clearly it didn't cover two banks hardly. So yeah, it three. covered three of them at the time. Three, which was, I believe, larger. Those three banks that failed this year are in total larger than the number of banks that failed. In, I think it was two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah. Wow. Well, I found something uh, really interesting and terrible about um, this article about the White House putting out a report saying that they want to manipulate the sun in mm. order to stop uh, climate change. The The next paragraph here has a really terrible implication that I don't like. It says, the introduction to the report indicated that research into space-based approaches has not been occurring as geoengineering is easier to implement. So are they saying that they want to, like, they've been, they don't want to research into space-based things just yet because it's easier to do geoengineering. Does that mean that they have any kind of intention to actually go out into space and try to mess with the sun to... That's terrifying. No, they're talking about, I was looking at an article from ABC News, which shows like a little uh, infographic of the different types of intervention methods so they actually do mention the quote-unquote stratospheric aerosol uh and it's interesting because it does say increasing the amount of stratospheric aerosol so it no, sounds like they're already admitting does it say anything about space-based it does approaches? i was just giving you an example oh. of some of the things that are are in here uh there's something called increasing the reflectivity of marine clouds that which i think you also mentioned earlier yeah and here it's called uh marine cloud brightening and then there's one called space-based methods and it doesn't really get into what all those might be but the drawing that they have shows a sun with a bunch of rays coming down and then bouncing off of things and it's just got like sort of like a uh concave like a satellite dish looking thing that's sort of floating out in space so i guess the idea would be they would have mirrors or something like that floating in space I i didn't necessarily mean they would try all the way to the sun and take it out <laughs> i just meant are they gonna their next step or their uh possible future plans are to go out in space and actually put up a dome it just sounds like such a it's terrible crazy. idea for so Scary. many reasons i mean yeah. I, the obvious one is sun the sun is what is creating and sustaining all life on earth yeah I love the sun. So, yeah, taking away the sun is going to make everyone sick. It's going to make people die. Yeah, it really We w- won't be able to grow food. The sun is so incredibly important. And there has been, like, this war on the sun for a really long time. I don't even know how long. But first, it's the skin cancer, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. But I really strongly believe that the chemicals in sunscreen is what is giving people skin cancer. cancer. Yeah, there's and, a you theory know, about that. It's obviously, if you're very fair-skinned, it's not good to go out in the sun and burn to a crisp. So mm-hmm. covering up with um, protective well, all things clothes. in moderation, right? A yeah. little bit is not a bad thing. Or uh, covering up your body if you need to with clothing, I think, is a lot safer than using these chemical-based sunscreens. Yep. So I don't necessarily think that. I mean, I think going out in the sun, obviously vitamin D, it's very good for your immune system. It's very good for your mood. Just so many things that we need the sun for. It's just crazy to even think about trying to block it out because of climate change. Another conspiracy in that same vein uh, that I can't confirm, even though I've cut a lot of seed oils out of my life. I can't say I have 0% seed oils in my life because sometimes you just can't avoid them. But I have eaten fewer or less seed oil than I've ever eaten in my life in for a whole year now. And I still get sunburned. But there, there's this conspiracy theory that it's just people eating seed oils and it stays in your body for four years. So 
maybe that could be why I haven't stopped burning. The, the thing that's weird about it is I didn't burn the first two summers that I lived in New Hampshire, and I did go outside and try to tan. And then this summer, I burned in April. Well, that was spring. So yeah, I was really shocked that I burned in April at all. But I, I did kind of overdo it that day. Like I laid out for a whole hour because I thought the sun's going to be really weak. It's April. Um, but yeah, whatever. There's a conspiracy theory that the only reason people burn at all is because they eat seed oils and somehow it's like in your, I don't know, your skin. It's in your well, body. I and suspect I'm sure- if you sat out in the sun for three hours with or without seed oils, you're going to burn. Yeah, but I also think um, I, I think you might be onto something, and I think maybe hydration in a lot of other like nutrients that people are either you know lacking or deficient in. I think that maybe could have something to do with your body not being able, being able to yeah, like not being able to process sunlight the same way. Uh, I did find something here, uh, an article from space.com, just to try to get a better idea of what the proposal is or what one proposal might be for space, quote unquote, geoengineering. And uh, there was an idea that came out in 1989. Now, whether this is being pursued or not, uh, was a scientist, uh, engineer James Early, had a concept involving building a glass sheet, a giant glass sheet of 2,000 kilometers in width. According to the British Interplanetary Society, when orbiting Earth, the glass structure would serve as a barrier between the sun and the Earth. Glass? They're going to kill us like ants under a microfine glass. They claim this would somehow reflect the sunlight back into space. Maybe it would be like a black glass. Uh, and reducing the radiation that entered Earth's atmosphere. The substantially sized solid structure would be incredibly expensive to fly to space and would likely need to be assembled in space. In-space assembly technology is something that is currently being experimented with, according to the Chinese Journal of Aeronautics. And uh, so as we have no long-term human presence on another planetary body, some of today's scientists have envisaged a more manageable array of smaller mirror satellites and areas of dense asteroid dust to serve as a solar barrier. So, yeah, they are literally talking about putting giant sheets of glass in orbit, in Earth's orbit. That's so stupid. By the way, at some point will fall. Yeah, that's (laughs) a good point. point. Well, this has been Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. And we're, we're coming right back. I didn't, I don't know why I said this has been, but you've been listening to Free Talk Live. that you control the call-in number is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 in the studio tonight you've got me bonnie nikki and it's ian and we have someone on the line we have sarah on the line from new mexico sarah what's on your mind um I have to get off the speakerphone. Yeah, so. that'd be good. Um, yeah, so our governor has decided that New Mexico is going to be like 
of the car by 2027 has to be um, clean clean um, energy standard. It's, it's either electric or hydro-powered um, based cars. Um, At 2027. So just what percentage? 43%. 43%. So how do they come up with that number, and how are they going to force people to part with their older cars that we're, they want to drive? Wait, wait, wait. Is this for cars on the road or cars that are being manufactured? It'd be easier to get a percentage of cars being manufactured. Right. Which one is it, Sarah? Um, it's for all the new cars purchased. Okay. Right. So they just pulled it out yeah, of their butt. Yeah, so... And That's I know, right. yeah, so, it just seems mm-hmm. a very random, obscure number. And I'm sure mm-hmm. somebody calculated it somehow. But a, a lot of the, I know, um, was it Chevy maybe? There's a few different car companies that are getting rid of like internal combustion engines. Completely? Yeah. Wow. And just going, either, well, I guess either hybrid or like a lot of, they don't even make manuals anymore. Jeez. They're kind of phasing out a lot of like the sports cars. There was um, one company that was getting rid of like trucks and SUVs. They're just in it, and it seems like it's just because they're trying to appease the government. They're probably getting money. They're probably getting threatened. Yep. But it doesn't seem like something the market truly wants, based on the people I'm talking to. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. That doesn't sound right at all. Well, yeah, what you're talking about here is the government trying to force a marketplace to do something that it may not do on its own. And, of course, they've been subsidizing a lot of these uh, alternative power systems for some time. Uh, and, the, you know, the question is, if these subsidies ever dry up, will people still have the same interest in buying the battery-powered cars and, and such? And I mean, if, if it was, like, nothing. No government interference and uh, anyone, you know, the market was free and anyone could choose whatever car they wanted at all. I'm sure that people would still choose these cars, especially people who didn't have that much money and they just have a commuter car and they want to have a car that doesn't cost them a lot in gas getting back and forth. But it costs a but, lot to buy the car. Yeah, they're they're typically pretty expensive, the, a lot of the electric cars. No, what about hybrids? the hybrids? That's yeah, so like a Prius, you can get like a used Prius and it'll be really good on gas. Um so that's one thing, but even so much of the things that they're phasing out in car manufacturing and and they're doing a lot to, you know, add all of this technology, like the turn off switches and all of this weird security technology that's really kind of spyware and just mm-hmm. a way to take personal power out of, you know, owning a car so you can't work on it yourself. They're making it mm-hmm. really compute, uh, you know. I've heard that really, about the Teslas. You cannot yeah. do that yourself. You can't you even buy it. the parts. And they won't you, even sell parts. You can't even take it to like your normal car shop. You yeah. have to go to the dealer. Yeah, it's written well, in the contract when you buy the whoa. car or whatever, whatever agreement. Shop, if your car shop has an agreement with Tesla, then yeah, but mm-hmm. you have, so they have, have to be an authorized. Process. Yeah. Repair exactly. shop, mm-hmm. which means it costs more because they got to oh, pay absolutely. for it. Absolutely. But you know, the thing is that here in New Mexico, we uh, the voters here, the residents have voted mostly for Democratic governor, Democratic mayor, Democratic, and and they're all the Democrats are all about clean energy. That's so kind of like reflects a the population of what people want. It's if we like didn't scam, want these, though, we'd Sarah, be voting Republican. If there's only two options and they're mostly voting Democrat because they believe in things like maybe they have a false impression of what Democrats are actually about and they just think they don't want to uh, pay for war or, or you know, they, they think all these things that are just kind of like sound bite 
ideas, but that doesn't mean that someone voting Democrat is saying, like, agreeing on writing their name on the dotted line saying, I want to not be have the choice to buy a car that runs on gas. Well, yeah, I think the point scam. Uh, that you're making here is when someone casts a vote, it doesn't necessarily mean that they agree completely with the person with whom they're voting. A lot of people vote negatively they vote to prevent yeah. they say well i don't want trump in yeah, and so the they vote for the other guy evils. right they don't know what the other guy even stands for maybe a bunch of busy bodies, trump. like sarah are just going around saying this other guy's racist and then uh they're voting because they're like oh well i wouldn't want to have a racist in office so i'm going to vote against him and now sarah's claiming that they agreed to this well you wanted this you wanted 43 percent of vehicles to be electric or hydro by 2027 because you voted for a democrat when they never said any such thing see sarah the thing is wait a minute, if, hold on, wait, 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 huh? wait. i'm an albuquerque voter yeah. i voted for all democratic governor mayor everybody um I could possibly vote for Democrat, and I am in favor of this. I I'm like sure you are. Yeah, but you also don't cars. even like cars, though. Well, the difference between what you're talking about and if there really was a demand, you're saying this is what people want, okay? If it's true that this is what people want, then that is what they will buy, and there wouldn't need to be a mandate. The fact that there's a mandate suggests that this is political, that somebody is going to benefit from this, whether it be the battery manufacturers or the electric car companies or whoever it is. Somebody is going to benefit from this law being passed. That's why it's being passed. Because if people just wanted hybrids or if people just wanted electric cars in the numbers that you're talking about, Sarah, they would just buy them. And then those companies would say, well, this is what people want. So we're just going to start making half electric and half gas. And, and that you wouldn't need to have a law to mandate it. I wonder how many well, fossil but, fuels know, are used it, it, to uh, to build all these cars and to transport them. Yeah. How much how much gas well, is I used? That, that in California, their enforcement is that if you refuse to buy the clean energy car when you register a car, they'll charge you another five thousand dollar fee. That's terrible. That's, yeah, that's terrible. That's immoral. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, so, I so think of this. So what it. if, let, let me paint a picture for you. What if there's a single mom, you know, she's poor, uh, she can't afford to buy a new car. So the only car she has is an old beat up car that takes gas and, you know, she can hardly afford to even register it, but that's how she gets her kids to school. That's yeah. how she gets to work. That is how she takes care of her family and puts food on the table and pays the rent. So now the state of California well, wants her... Still, what even if it was a new car and that's the, you new know the California, one that she could afford. Either way, it's immoral to find somebody for a, like a personal life decision. Like I just don't. It, it, it's all a scam. Gas-powered cars well, aren't even necessarily worse for the environment. Think of all of the you know like I like I just mentioned all of the fossil fuels that are burned to transport all these parts and to create these electric cars. Think of the slave children that are mining the lithium to create mm-hmm. these batteries. Sarah Never mind after the batteries were done with them, after they die, because they then? do die quick, yeah. we're just going to throw them in the ocean or in yeah, a no landfill. No one wants to think about the, well, uh, the slave kids. Well, Sarah specifically doesn't. She doesn't care about slave kids. The only people she empathizes with are female homeless people. <laughs> and, only th- and she doesn't even realize when something could benefit them like you know legalizing prostitution Mm -hmm. she just wants them to live the life that she wants i don't know why but sarah has very little empathy for anyone other than female homeless people well you know 
the thing is, if you could afford to buy a new car, all the cars are going to have a standard featured auto brakes, auto cameras, all that built into it. So why not buy electric also? Because they're more expensive. I mean, but the other thing they're is, they're literally more expensive. I don't want to plug my that, car in. You didn't say in California that it's um, for buying a new car. You said it's for registering a car. So that wouldn't have to be only no, on uh, new cars. No, no, registering a brand new car. But, okay. but so either way, cars, it is more expensive to buy an electric vehicle. It's and more then expensive of, and it's a big pain in the yeah. butt as far as I'm concerned because you can only charge it at so many different yeah, places. Yeah, you're going to install a place to charge it, it takes at your house? a lot of uh, time to charge it when you're on the road you can't just swing up to a gas station pump for two minutes and pay the bill and go it's like okay you got a half hour you got an hour i don't even know it's like a different level it depends on the amount of power at the charger so there's different levels of I, this is the basic uh, amount of research I've done into it. I haven't done a, a lot, but the Tesla cha- chargers out there, they're not all like built the same. Depends on the power that's feeding into it. So it might be 15 minutes that you have to wait. It might be an hour uh, that you have to wait before you can drive it for another... If you don't want to pay as much, you, you wait know, an hour. 20 miles or whatever, right? So and like, no, I don't want to spend that kind of time. I think the most important thing is what Nikki already mentioned, that it costs diesel probably mostly mm-hmm. to mine the stuff out of the ground like think of um i don't know what these things are called because i'm not a truck person but like the bulldozer type things they're mm-hmm. used to mine those things take diesel they're not yeah, electric they're not running on electricity they don't have a you know a sundial on top of their car they're <laughs> not sundial i meant to say <laughs> solar, uh, panel. solar panel there we go no but that and that is something that they are doing out in california they are mandating that all equipment uh that is like lawn equipment for instance has to now be uh, electric-powered lawn equipment, and that's even true, I believe, for, uh, I think, Hmm. generators. You cannot buy a new generator in California now as of this last, there was this last session, the California legislature made it so everybody that's doing, like, lawn work has to be using electrical equipment, which means that they're constantly going to be buying and changing batteries out. Oh, yeah. And they're going to keep dying 30 minutes into your Mm -hmm. lawn work, and you have to go inside. And it's going to be more expensive because... All of these electric lawn apparatuses are more pricey to purchase the equipment, not even talking about the batteries you have to buy. They're going to have to have banks and banks of batteries now in the truck or whatever that they're they're going to have to go to the jobs with a bunch of charged batteries. So adding the cost of the batteries in, adding the cost of having to change out all your old equipment from gas-operated to electric, the the price to oh, have yeah. some guy do your your lawn work in uh, in California is going to shoot. I up I hadn't even really considered like professional land uh, landscapers. Yeah. That's pretty terrible. Like they're basically forcing them to have or make less money doing their job unless they want to uh, pay people way more. Well, thank you for the call, Sarah. Um, the the only other stuff we have really on this uh, Washington. Uh, White House story was where they want to block the sun. Yes, the, the only other thing I really want to say about this thing, and then we can go into your prediction. They tried that in the Matrix, is, by the way, and it didn't work very well. Oh yeah, that's like the yeah. Worst, I was like, uh, I feel like I've seen this yeah, in a movie. I've, yeah, they scorched the skies yeah. right to fight the machines. Yep, because well, they were solar powered. Luckily, um, the most important thing I want to say from this article is that there's no government policy attached to this document yet, as it's just a research document. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. keyword. Just talking about keyword. Exactly. Word. Yep. I just don't want to freak people out that it's you know imminent. It'll probably eventually happen, but it's not happening right this second. Well, I hope not. I, yeah, I, hope- I really hope because there's so many things going on where I'm like, I can't believe people don't just wake up, hmm. like see that what is going on is wrong. It just seems so obvious to me. But this this thing in particular. 
I really, really this hope is insane. that people like hear this, even like normies out there, and they're like, no, absolutely not. That is insane. There's a reason to be somewhat optimistic, I think, on this one, and this story didn't point that out, but within the environmental movement, there's a schism over this. Okay, so within within the environmental movement, there are people who understand that this is not going to if indeed let's let's accept the idea that global climate change or whatever is a problem, right? I don't accept that personally because I think, you know, the earth's going to change, climate's going to change over time. It's just you got to deal with it. Uh but let's accept that it's a problem, okay? Well, now we're in the environmental movement. Now you have to figure out, well, what do you do as a result of accepting this as a problem? What is the solution to the problem? Well, over in this camp that we were just talking about, there's these people talking about, we need to put mirrors in space. We need to seed the clouds. We need to, you know, all the things that we were just discussing. And then these other people are saying, no, that doesn't actually solve the problem. You're talking about doing things that might affect the symptoms, but might not, and actually may make things much worse. So there are actually a... a, there's a sizable amount of people within the environmental movement who also agree that this is insane and that this should not be done at well, all. If, if so. the next crisis is um, a climate one that they're going to have us locked in our houses for, I'm sure that those scientists who disagree with the consensus are going to get you know put to death and lose their whatever <laughs> kind of licenses they have or credentials they have. Well, don't you have more predictions? Oh, I've got more predictions. You're talking about from 1970? Yep. Where this was the uh, the very first year of Earth Day, and it's now been more than 50 years since these predictions happened, and uh, we went through a couple of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, but here's a couple more or a few more for you here. Uh, one of these guys, Paul Ehrlich, in an essay entitled Echo Catastrophe, he said this, quote, Most of the people who are going to die in the greatest cataclysm in the history of man have already been born. By 1975, so five years or six years after the essay was written, some experts feel that food shortages will have escalated the present level of world hunger and starvation into famines of unbelievable proportions. Other experts, more optimistic, think the food population collision will not occur until the decade of the 1980s. So they were still doing um, overpopulation hoax back then? Mm-hmm. Ehrlich sketched out his most alarmist scenario for the 1970 Earth Day issue of The Progressive, assuring readers that between 1980 and 1989, some 4 billion people on the planet. Now think about, what is there, 7 or 8 billion today? Yeah. yeah. Right? Back then there wasn't 7 or 8 billion. I don't know what the total would have been in you know 1980, but let's just say it was 6. He's talking about two-thirds of the world's population being wiped out in the next uh, 20 years from when he wrote the essay. And uh, he said they would perish in what he called the great die-off. Didn't happen. In fact, there's more people than ever. And how many people did that scare into, you know, not living their life to the fullest and mm -hmm. developing anxiety disorders? But was that like mainstream news? I, don't I mean, know. I, don't, in, I don't know how mainstream it was. It was well, in the Earth Progressive magazine and it was a celebration thing. of Earth yeah. Day. I'm just, yeah, I'm wondering how many people actually read that. But a lot and, of this stuff gets you know, publicized today. You've got people yeah. like this Greta Thunberg or yeah. Al Gore trotting out similar predictions. Like, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm sure we could look it up. But I think uh, Gore or Thunberg or whatever said that within the next decade or 12 years, we're all going to be dead or, you know, we'll have have no life uh, in the future or something like that. And it's like it's absolutely ridiculous. 
Uh, Dennis Hayes, the chief organizer for Earth Day, said in the 1970 spring issue of The Living Wilderness, quote, it's already too late to avoid mass starvation. Peter Gunter, a North Texas State University professor, wrote in 1970, quote, demographics, demographers agree almost unanimously on the following grim timetable. By 1975, widespread famines will begin in India. These will spread, which, by the way, is uh, now hitting over a billion population. And India is expected to overtake China as the most populated country on Earth this summer. It's expected to overtake them. So they seem to be doing okay. I mean, there's still a lot of poverty there, but... They're not dying off. They're not dying off, yeah. Uh, these, uh, these famines will spread by 1990 to include all of India, Pakistan, China, and the Near East Africa. By the year 2000, or conceivably sooner, South and Central America will exist under famine conditions. By the year 2000, 30 years from now, the entire world, with the exception of Western Europe, North America, and Australia, will be in famine. <laughs> so, yeah, none of no, this happened. No. Yeah, it's pretty uh, ridiculous. And, and that's because... Well, I, one of the things I think I want to point out about these people, people like this, who still exist today and they have different predictions of doom uh, today, these are people who exist in what I think is best described as a lack mentality. Mm-hmm. These are people who believe that there's a finite amount of whatever, mm-hmm. whether it be oil money. or energy or money or whatever, the you know, thing is that it's going to run out. It's going to run out. And what they don't understand is, is that humans are ingenious like as a species like we figured out a bunch of really cool things to do with stuff that was previously thought of like as a nuisance so oil of course is a great example of this at one time oil was considered a pollutant it was a uh, if you found it in your farmland you were mad about it this garbage yeah how am i gonna grow crops in this right and now if you find it you're rich now exactly or you get invaded by the u.s because somebody figured out you can burn that stuff and that it's actually really really useful so human uh innovation brings new ideas to the table that didn't exist in 1970 and 1980 and and so on that these people could not fathom they couldn't foresee and of course there's always people that have been you know the negative talkers right you'll never fly you right brothers you'll <laughs> never right like so there's been so many of these people over history who have been the negative nancys the ones that do not believe that we can overcome the obstacles that may be present that these you know there may be some real problems out there but can we achieve can we rise above those things absolutely they can't imagine it they cannot imagine it. And so their solution is to crack down. Their solution is to restrict. Their solution is to uh, control. But we got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet because it's going to be horrible either way. The outcome is going to be horrible no matter what. In- and it's it's so crazy that we're like, I, as like the people that are in power, the politicians, these are the people that are living in that fear state and in that, you know, lack mentality. Like these are the people that society is listening to for guidance well the politicians aren't living in lack right like they've got a ton of whatever they want to have the the experts right like the scientific experts and that the girl you you know Greta Thunberg yeah the she's flying around on private jets we're we're listening to this like 16 year old girl who's spewing all this fear and nonsense you don't think she's flying on private jets I think they confronted her about that she uh, uh, like out front says that she doesn't she rides trains everywhere that she mm. uh goes and she posted a picture the other day that was like when you don't uh ride it and i'm not saying this is cool or something it's silly uh she said posted a selfie of herself and she said um whenever you are committed to not taking like private jets 
um, this is what your travel situation can look like sometimes five days and uh, this is like my fifth day in a row being on a train like <laughs> traveling for five days on a train just because you don't want to take a jet yeah it's a weird flex yeah it's terrible <laughs> it's just so dumb she's not helping anyone the prediction by the way of famine they add here in South America is only partially true but only in Venezuela and only because of socialism yeah not for environmental reasons, which is great. That's a great point, right? Uh, number nine here on this list, I, and again, I skipped a few, but in 1970 of January, Life magazine reported, quote, scientists have solid experimental and theoretical evidence to support the following predictions. In a decade, urban dwellers will have to wear gas masks to survive air pollution. Oh by 1985, air pollution will have reduced the amount of sunlight reaching Earth by one half. Oh my god! 1985. Oh, so maybe we should do that to fight global warming. Maybe we just <laughs> need more air pollution. Yeah, just strip out all the, uh, the stuff from the cars, right? The catalytic well, converter. So like here, it. he's saying that as if uh, sunlight being reduced by one half would be a bad thing. Indeed. Oh, no, but Indeed, now it's that's a good, a good thing. point. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. it's a good thing. It's a, that's a great point that it, their their message changes based yep, on yeah. whatever is the you know convenient for them at the time. Uh, ecologist Kenneth Watt told Time Magazine that, quote, at the present rate of nitrogen buildup, it's only a matter of time before light will be filtered out of the atmosphere and none of our land will be usable. Wow. Huh? Well, as far as the these people being in a mentality of lack, we do have a article coming up next about meditation, something that may okay. help you with that. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. number if you'd like to talk about anything we're talking about or bring up your own subject uh you can talk about whatever you want it's free talk live for a reason it's 603-283-6160 and in the studio with you tonight you've got bonnie nikki and ian and um we were talking in the last segment about people who predict death and disaster in the near future back in the 1970s ian's been just uh reading off a whole bunch of different predictions from different scientists or whatever, you know, clerics of the state that uh, decided or, you know, (laughs) predicted that, you know, 80% of the animals were going to die in 10 years because of global warming or, um, you know, I can't remember another example, but... Basically, we're all dead right now. Oh, in five years, when half of the population is going to be... starving from famine because of global warming they yeah also, four billion people were gonna die according to one guy they were also claiming <laughs> that the sun might i don't even know their reasoning for this but they were saying that the sunlight might oh pollution they were saying because of pollution sunlight won't be able to get into the atmosphere but by one half sunlight would be reduced according but, to this by 1985 but nowadays the Washington is looking, or the, I keep calling it the Washington, the White House is looking into how to block out sunlight mm-hmm. as if it's a good thing now. Now sunlight's the enemy. We want to get rid of it. Sunlight is bad because it's warm and global warming is bad. But in more uplifting news, I'd say, Nikki has a story for us about meditation. 
Yeah, so there could be a link between meditation and gut health, but it's hmm. complicated. So researchers recently flew the fecal samples of 37 Buddhists from monasteries um, high in the Tibetan mountains to a lab in Shanghai. The purpose for okay. this high altitude, yeah, it starts off, we, we jump right into it. <laughs> so um, the purpose for this high altitude journey, oh, oh, okay, they say it like it's a question. So the purpose of this high altitude journey is to see how the composition of the monks' samples, markers of their gut health, differed from that of their neighbors. Mm-hmm. The main Presuming life- that the monks are spending a lot of time meditating. Yeah. Okay. So the main lifestyle difference the researchers were interested in was the fact that these monks meditated for over two hours a day. They wondered if the meditation might have an impact on the microbiome, which is the types of amounts of bacteria found in the gut. Okay, so just to be clear, they're studying the uh, the fecal matter of the monks in comparison to yep. people in the near area who are not monks, so therefore yeah. they would be eating a similar diet, yeah. is the idea? Yeah, because okay. I would think that would have a huge role in yeah. it as well, you know, as well as lifestyle, but, um, mm. but yeah, I think food might be the biggest factor. Um, So the resulting study published in the British Medical Journal found that the monks had higher quantities of certain bacterias that are associated with lower levels of depression, anxiety, and cardiovascular disease. Hmm. The exciting findings caught the attention of the outlets like The Guardian, Healthline, and others. So does the study show that meditation is good for the gut and subsequently good for your overall health? Unfortunately, not it is not so clear cut. And because when you think about it, I would also think that these monks would have other really healthy lifestyle habits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're probably not drinking alcohol. They're probably yep. not eating, you know, um, processed foods. Mm-hmm. They might even be gardening themselves and have a they, very, you know, like peaceful, low stress lifestyle. I believe they stay spend a lot of time in the sun. To take it mm-hmm. back to our last yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sun. And did it say they were at a high altitude as well? Yes. Okay. So that also could, could be a factor. So who knows? There's a lot of factors. Um, I'm not sure how much I would really take home from that study. Emrin Mayer, MD, a gastroenterologist from UCLA Medical School. He's also a professor. Seed Health board member and the author of the book, The Mind-Gut Connection. Oh, the I way to study this <laughs> should have been... To look at just the monks and yeah. then because they presumably are all eating from the same meals, right? Yeah. Like they're they're doing, you know, large cooks for the full. What do you call it where uh, monks live? The monastery. Monastery. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Monastery. Uh, and then divvy them up by half. And so study half of them and send them to like a 10 day meditation uh, retreat and just have the other ones do their normal monkly things. Yeah. Monkly. And then, you know. <laughs> Then take a look at the half that were meditating for 10 days and look at the other half that were just gardening and doing the other things yeah. they're doing and see if there's any difference there. Yeah. But to compare them to the average population, yeah, like you said, it's going to bring in alcohol and things like that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not quite so isolated. So Dr. Mayer says that the technical methods the researchers used to analyze the samples were outdated. The study size as a whole was small and the control group, just 19 people, was not robust enough to draw conclusions of uh, of difference from. Hmm. He's skeptical the samples could maintain their integrity even in a refrigerated box for a drip da- for a trip down a mountain on a plane. Most studies, he says, require very controlled sample collection that happens in a lab. This guy just seems like he's hmm. totally like 
He's a Wing jerk. Being very negative. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, I'm from UCLA, hmm. so meditation isn't real. Um, he yeah, also, they would believe that. Yeah. So he also points out that diet and the sedentary lifestyle of monks was not taken into account. I would think that they wouldn't have a sedentary lifestyle. No, that's why I brought up the sun because I don't even know where I am thinking of this, but I think they sit outside specifically and meditate. Mm-hmm. So they like sit yeah. outside with like maybe with their eyes closed, maybe with their eyes like focusing on one thing far away and just meditate outside specifically. They probably yeah. sit inside and outside depending on the weather would be my guess. But I mean, I'm sure it snows a lot in Tibet because that's where, yeah. uh, and in the mountains because that's, isn't that where, um, no, it's Nepal where the Mount Everest is. Although there would, are these h- hardcore people that can just sit out in the middle of, you know, like uh, Wim Hof who can just sit in an ice bath. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a Tibet, Tibetan monk would be the type of person could that could. do that, yeah. Well, that's yeah, true. there was the whole, I, I heard a story about Tibet, Tibetan monks taking a soaking hot towel and then you could see the steam literally rising off of the towel because they could increase their body temperatures to dry the towels. So yep. they can do all sorts of crazy stuff. They're the same ones that work on coals or at least like I'm pretty sure that's where it originated. Like hmm. yeah. tell their body it's fine. And it is like burn. a very, you know, Wim Hof-esque thing yep. because it's very similar to what he does where using different mindfulness techniques and breathing techniques he's able to control his body temperature and, you know, reduce mm-hmm. stress and disease and all of these other things. Well, really, I don't even need a UCLA um, scientist, man, to tell me that it would probably be good for bacteria that lives in your body, for your body to be a, pl- for your mind to be a pleasant place. Because if you're really stressed out and worried and stuff, it's bad for the cells that are in your body and that makes sense that your body would be inhospitable to good bacteria living in your gut, in my opinion. I, I really believe that you can turn diseases and things around with your mindset and not get them started. Yeah, I tend to agree with that as well. I think a lot of uh, disease out there is just manifested by people through their negativity worrying. and through their worrying and possibly through, you know, the things they put into their bodies. Well, I mean, and, and it is scientifically proven that stress is the number one factor. I don't want to say the number one factor. That might not be correct. But it's a huge factor in cardiovascular disease, heart mm-hmm. attack. So just the cortisol levels and, you know, your body's response to these high stress. Because when you think of it, your, fight or fl- your body's fight or flight mechanisms, if you think that, you know, your body can't tell the difference between different kinds of stress, right? So even if you're stressed out about work or something like that, your body's essentially re- reacting like you're in grave physical danger. Right. So it shuts off your body's other, you know, like digestion and it Correct. shuts off your body's other mechanisms. It focuses on that. What do we do about this right now? Exactly. Kind of so reaction. It's, it's shutting off your body's other mechanisms um, that aren't necessarily needed if you're fighting for your life. Mm-hmm. So that includes your immune system. Yes. Yep. So it it does make sense that, you know, meditation, because that's been proven to lower stress and depression and anxiety. To me, it does make a lot of sense. Um, and Absolutely. this other doctor, Martin J. Blazer, uh, he's a professor in Henry Rudder's chair of the human microbiome at Rudder's Robert Wood Johnson Medical College. It's quite the name thought the study was well conducted, but didn't think meditation could be pinpointed as the defining factor that accounted for potential differences in the microbiomes of the monks versus the control. Uh, I agree because you ultimately it's just, you know, 
correlation is not causation. So yeah, you, I mean, you can't though, pinpoint it as the yeah. ultimate cause, but I would say that there's probably a whole bunch of different uh, things about their lifestyle that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see this study reconducted, you know, with different groups. I think, you know, the monks, that's a pretty extreme sample. But I think if they took a group of, you know, 100 or 500 people, took before and after samples of, after a long term, maybe a year or six months, and just had them do at least, you know, 15 minute meditations or something like that, I think that could maybe be a more accurate representation. Yeah. Like, of, a- you know. Lots of people do this, but Joe Dispenza, he's a doctor that wrote the uh, You Are the Placebo, among other books, and he's really cool. Mm-hmm. He does these um, retreats where people will come to him and they'll meditate like crazy. It's like, you know, you get put on a rigorous rigorous uh, routine with him, and maybe they could um, implement that in his thing, you know, like studying the microbiome when the people first arrive. Mm-hmm. And then comparing it after like their two weeks that they've been getting up every day and meditating for three hours a day or whatever they mm. they do. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting. And um, I mean, they do call the gut the second brain for a reason because it has a huge role in our overall health. Um, so the article goes on to say that Dr. Mayer's skepticism for the Tibetan monk study in particular does not mean that he thinks the theory itself doesn't hold water. A longtime meditation practitioner Um, And him and his wife were actually married at a Tibetan monastery in Kathmandu. So it sounds like he's a fan of meditation. UCLA. Yeah, the guy that was being skeptical of it. So it sounds like I think I think he just wanted to be well balanced. Like, you know, this might not be a very accurate study, but it still could, you know, hold some weight. So um, he's an expert in studying the connection between the gut, body and the brain. Dr. Mayer says it makes sense that meditation could impact the microbiome in a positive way. It's all down to the growing body of research showing that meditation can possibly reduce stress. And evidence is um, amassing that stress can wreak havoc on the gut. When we're stressed, our sympathetic nervous system gets activated, which is this is kind of what I was saying. That activation changes the environment in which the microbiome lives, their habitat. Dr. Mayer says, including blood flow, um, contractions, mucus production, and more, certain neurotransmitters like norepinephrine can make their way into the gut, which modifies gene expression of of the microbiome. So it sounds like there's, you know, some pretty... Extensive hmm. research already done if on the topic. If it modifies the gene expression of the microbiome, that would be a lot like uh, what they talk about in the book The Wisdom of Your Cells by mm-hmm. Dr. Bruce Lipton, that your mind can literally, what they call, turn on and turn off certain genes, like turn off bad genes and turn on good ones in What's your body. What's the word for that? Um, Like the, the phrase for it? Yeah. I, well, this is called uh, gene expression. Yeah, there's some other word for it that the that book, uh, gene. It was like my favorite word for several months when we read yeah. or listened to that book, but it's not coming to me, so I'm googling it. But. Yeah, it's basically where you can change your genes. The, the idea being that your genes are not set. Like yeah. a lot of people believe because science, quote unquote, the science has said over the years that, well, the way you're born is just the way it's going to be. you got to always yeah. be this way. And they're finding out that you can actually change your genes through yeah. just you know, focusing on and, it. And, and I meditation also think, and things like you know, when, when it's in your genes, so you have a family history of cancer or cardiovascular disease or whatever, 
I think not only can people like manifest that, so mm. you're just, oh, well, I'm going to get it. So that kind of makes it mm-hmm. so they're already, I mean. Self-fulfilling if, prophecy. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think maybe also sometimes people have a point of view like, well, you know, uh, this runs in my family, so I might as well smoke and drink and be unhealthy because mm. I'm going to die from it anyways. I yep. think when people kind of have those mentalities versus the mentality of, no, I can heal myself and right. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure this doesn't happen or at least to be as healthy as I possibly can, yep. given the circumstances, I think those are two incredibly different mindsets. It's a different, the difference is between someone who is reacting to life to someone uh, and someone who is at the sort of the cause, the creation of themselves, as opposed to somebody who's just like, well, as you were saying, I can't change anything, so I'm just going to do what comes, whatever comes, I'll just deal with it and I'll die early or whatever. People who are just sort of resigned uh, to life happening to them rather than being at the source of the creation of themselves. And it is a completely different uh, mindset. And it's one that isn't really very, uh, I think that you found it, Bonnie? Epigenetic. Epigenetic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Dang. I knew it was an E and that's it. Yeah, and people are programmed by the other generations that have come before them to follow in their footsteps and believe that it has to be this way because it's always been this way. And your dad did this, and your grandfather did this, so it's going to happen to you. Or your genes are this way, and there's right. no way that right. uh, you can change them. And it's just a concrete scientific idea that's actually really not. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited that people are doing studies like this and it's kind of getting into like mainstream medical research. And I'm also very happy that there are tons of books on concepts like this, like epigenetics yeah. and how your mind can control your health. And I mean, controlling your reality, like law of attraction and manifestation you know, people have been conducting their own personal experience uh, experiments on stuff like that, but there's less concrete evidence to back that up. But I think we are ha- like seeing a lot of concrete evidence of how your mind and meditation and different practices mm-hmm. can affect your health overall. I think that so. the main reason that a mainstream scientist would want us to not understand epigenetics and believe that uh, uh, your your genes are going to express whatever they're going to express, and it's there's You're nothing you can in. do about it, is because yeah. They, they, the government and they, the occultists running the government behind the scenes, they want us to be in a victim mentality. Mm-hmm, yep. And they have so many different modalities to get people into victim uh, mentality, whether it's like, oh, the color of your skin, you're oppressed because of that, you can't do any better because there are people out to get you. There are people that won't let you succeed because of the color of your skin. Or it's, uh, you can't even do any, you can't not get cancer because your mom had cancer, so you might as well just uh, worry about it. Because you're going to get it no matter what. And there's nothing you can do to help. You're a victim. Oh, looks like you're depressed and anxious. You're going to mm-hmm. have to get on these pills for the rest well, of your life. Well, and that was the other thing, right? Like going to mental um, like mental illness and depression. It's like, oh, well, it's not my fault. My uh, what a, a chemical imbalance in the yep. brain. Mm, That's what they were nonsense. referring to depression as. And I, I think it's kind it's of just... Exactly. Like it's just locking people into like, well... This is going to happen to me regardless, Mm -hmm. and you know I need to take a pill for the rest of my life, or else I'm just going to be really sad and depressed when there are so many other things. And talk about what a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if I don't take this pill, I'm going to be sad. Yeah, there's no way that you're just accident, you know, not on purpose, but accidentally manipulating your brain to be that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, given that there are actual studies that show that placebo can cure depression, I think that's proof enough. 
that uh, it is all in your head. Okay. Well, yeah, and antidepressants have never um, done better than placebos. That's true as yeah. well, yeah. And, um, you know, you say that to somebody that has mental illness, and sometimes they'll, you know, they'll get angry. Oh, yes, they will, because, because they believe it their whole, it their whole life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's almost like they feel like that statement is attacking them. Right. But really, that should be, you know, once they're ready to hear it, that is the most inspirational it's thing. Yeah. It's so empowering to say, no, I'm not a victim. I have control of my life. But and look, I, this you know, man I, in a lab coat told me when <laughs> I was a kid that this was always the way it was going to be. And yeah, I'm, the guy getting a kickback from yeah. the pharmaceutical industry. Right, yeah, I, getting yeah. cruises or whatever, right? I feel like it, uh, they get mad because it means that every everything that has harmed them in their life because of this condition is mm-hmm. their fault. But the thing is, that's the initial thing you got to deal with. Huh, maybe... Uh, the way I've been acting is a little bit my fault. Maybe that's going to be painful, yeah. but yeah. getting through that is going to make you open up your life to be so much better than living as a zombie on Zoloft or mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had my own like bouts of depression when I was in like middle school, high school, and um, if if so, if I heard somebody saying this, you know, it would probably no, maybe it's not a make chemical me... imbalance. Well, and it was right. it's kind of. In, in a weird, messed up way, I almost liked being depressed. Like, it was mm-hmm. cool and edgy. You could and... talk about it with people. Yeah, like, it was other just... Other people were also depressed. It was almost, like, comforting in a way. It's just, like, it's it's weird to even think about, it and I can't... It gets you attention. Well, and that's the thing, right. too, but it was it's, it's hard for me to even put it into words now because my mindset has changed so much. Like, mm-hmm. it's... It's almost hard for me to think about that. Where, that's how a did it change for you? Method. I mean, I no, started to, message. You, Sorry. For me, I started meditating and doing yoga, and that's when I kind of like started opening my mind mm. and exploring different things and was like, no, you know, I think it was more just um, like getting inspired. Mm-hmm. And so. that's a great thing that young people really need to hear if they truly feel depressed and even if they're not on antidepressants or, or they are, they need to hear people saying, listen, I've dealt with the same thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now I can't even fathom feeling that way anymore because my life is so much better now and it's so far behind me the the term it gets better is a, a thing that people really do need to hear mm. yeah well i just wanted to point out that adam in our odyssey chat says sending my letter tonight dude good luck for ian's uh oh, that's very kind oh nice since ian a is, letter to the judge yeah. uh you can go to letters.freetalklive.com you do have uh probably about this month, maybe, uh, to get it done, presuming my sentencing isn't pushed back, which it might be. But uh, just presume you got the, the rest of the month to, to get those in if you've been putting it off. Now's a good time for it. Thank you. And another person says, I'd write a letter, but it might end up putting me on some kind of a watch list. Okay. Uh, to me, I feel like that's just kind of cowardice. I mean, like, you're probably on a watch list anyway of some sort. The government's watching I all mean, of us. There's everyone NSA. is. Yeah. Like, if you have a social security number, you're on a watch list, right? Yep. I, I, mean, I think the people who are brave enough to put their own full name and describing themselves and their opinions about Ian uh, and sending it to a judge are very brave. And um, I really appreciate them doing that. But I also do kind of think it's kind of cowardice to say... I would do a good thing, but I may have faced repercussions, so I'm not going to. 
Well, that's okay. I'll I'll probably be fine with or without the the letter. Uh, I'm sure you but will. you know, regardless, you know, coming back to the depression issue, I mean, look at all the negativity that people are dealing with, right? Like we were talking about these predictions from 1970 and yeah. the predictions of today yeah. that everyone's going to die. Yeah, imagine believing that. How would you right? not be depressed? And then uh, they they're constantly pushing this stuff on the kids in the schools these days. That's why we have teenagers and twenty somethings and you know, millennials or whatever that literally believe that the world's going to end in their lifetime and why should they bother having kids? Because, you know, the world's going to end. And I mean, it's just there's so much negativity out there. Uh, but also the 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 other side of that is like the the, the right wing for for lack of a better term the conspiracy theories about the chemtrails as I was talking about before that they're poisoning the water all of these mm-hmm. uh, ne- again this is all negativity that is literally poisoning people's minds whether or not the uh, look, fluoride probably not good to be in your water system okay so I'm not saying things like that don't happen but to constantly have that on your mind it's like if you really believe that chemtrails are out there why aren't you wearing a gas mask when you walk around if you really believe that that was what was going on. Uh, I So it's like there's just so much fear and it's really that's it's a sad. Good, that's a good point. I think if people are going, it's in, I think it's a good idea to be aware of the things that are happening. But if you're not going to make changes to either protect yourself or change your life, mm-hmm. then it's it's pointless. It's just, you know, constantly filtering through all that fear I for literally no reason. As far as the chemtrails, I think Ian projects a whole lot of fear onto, I'm not saying that, project as in that you're actually fearful but you imagine all this extra fear that i don't think everybody uh, waving the uh flag about chemtrails necessarily has like sure there's probably crazy people out there who are absolutely crazy about it sure but the the average person yeah but you're always acting like people who anyone who believes in chemtrails it's like full of fear i point them out all the time but i'm not like (laughs) i need to run away i can't live here i gotta find a place where there's no you don't actually believe that yeah, I do. No, when you're pointing them out, you're just being silly. No, I'm not. I just know <laughs> that you think it's silly because so you're you don't silly. think they're that dangerous. Then, well, I don't think they that are I need there. to not uh, breathe in all the other good things in the mm-hmm. air just because there's chemicals in it sometimes. And the other thing is, I just know that uh, you're my one body of the more can, rational ones. My body can uh, transmute it. So you admit it. You just think that everybody who doesn't uh, believe in or does believe in chemtrails is irrational and crazy I when there's rational you're the exception. evidence for it. Well, this has been a fun show. This has been Free Talk Live, 603. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, we'll be on tonight at 7 Eastern. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Yeah. Freetalklive.com. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com. <laughs> 